Philly Fell with your host Van Nunley and Fred Slow. Alright, this is gonna be so good. 95.9 FM, 610 the Sports Animal. The cream of the crop! And talkabq.com. Turn it up! Ground control calling Major Van. Major Van, are you there? Can you hear me, Major Fred? That was good, actually. That was really good. Thank you. Talented dude, what can I say? The first words you spoke today. Are you like me in that way, where you wake up and you don't even talk in the mirror? Like, it's not until you have to interact with someone else do you even, like, utter a word? I'm so... In fear of the voices in my head, <laughs> I don't say anything out loud till like an hour after I wake up. Good morning, Albuquerque. My name is Fred Slow. Alongside me, my absolute go-to, the real one, Van Nunley. Good morning, Van. How are you? What up, my dude? How you be? I feel good. I look real good. I get. I, I put a I, first time in a long time. I put a selfie of myself on the internet the other day and i just got so many compliments on how gray i am yeah i got like what three or four years on you and i don't have a single gray hair so uh it's unfair eat it how beautiful and blonde your ginger head is i'm a solid six you're a weekend eight when you put it together you come together there's no doubt if if the person I'm hanging out with has a couple oat sodas in them, yes. I'm a 10. Like, if the lighting is low proper lighting, and you got lighting. a couple drinks in you, mm-hmm. stone cold 10, no doubt. With proper lighting, you can look any way you want. Larry King looked the exact same way for 30 years. Isn't that bonkers? R.I.P. Rest in peace. One of the we'll goats, get- if not the goat, of the thing that we do. We will get more than a fair amount of time to he today in the control room the guy that sends it to the satellite and sends it down to you mike vital good morning michael how are you uh good good morning fred is that a vital impersonation that was my vital impersonation because he just walked away of course he did to go help another producer the kind of guy he is always there to help i tell you what there is not a more versatile soul in the world of radio than mike vital he was he versatile before people knew what versatile meant. They used to, yeah, as soon as he, they called it vitaling. <laughs> I don't know if he can juggle like as well as you, you and I can, but like as far as juggling life, yes. Yes, he can. Crazy week, Van. It's been a crazy week, not just politically and sports-wise and everything you identify the measure of crazy. Lost a couple good ones this week, man. A couple goats this week, man. Oh my gosh, man. And we are, what are we, are we three days short of the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's passing? Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yes, we are. And we are three days past the anniversary of him dropping 81 points. 15 years ago. Yep. Toronto Raptors, is that right? Correct. Vince Carter on that squad, or was he gone by then? Because he played 25 years. I don't know. <laughs> he played 22 years. He was drafted in 98 out of the University of North Carolina and retired unceremoniously because of COVID-19. COVID-19 put an end to 
Vince Carter's career. Not that he personally was afflicted by it, but they shut the season down, and, and that was kind of it. I think he had two or three good ones left. Vince be, Carter? Be a bench guy. Well, I tell you, that, that's the interesting one with Vince Carter, and we're going to talk about Hank Aaron at length today, but like in professional sports, there's guys that hang on just a little too long. There's guys that just pad the stats and um, need another paycheck and those kind of things. Adrian Peterson, maybe Vince Carter if you want to have that talk. Hank Aaron, not that guy. Not that guy at all. Oh, no. No. Hank Aaron played at the fullest of his capability for as long as he could professionally do it. Tom Brady's currently doing it. As we talk about the NFL championship series, excuse me, championship games coming up tomorrow, we will length. What do you think? Second hour? We'll do that on the second hour? Yeah. So we came into the program today ready to talk Hank. And then breaking news this morning, if you're just turning the radio on for the first time because you wake up with your boys, Larry King passed away this morning. COVID-19, Van. COVID-19. Yikes. I hope COVID doesn't play as many seasons as Hank Aaron. Oh, my gosh. Don't think I could take that many hits. I, I hope COVID plays as many seasons as Jamarcus Russell. Talking about former LSU standout <laughs> quarterback and purple drink enthusiast, former Oakland Raider, Jamarcus Russell. Got his jersey retired at a Baton Rouge Applebee's. I don't know if you're joking, and that's the best <laughs> part about that joke. <laughs> he spent like 120 grand at an Applebee's one night for his homies. No. Wait, let me see if I can no. find the actual stats. <laughs> no. Jamarcus Russell Apple. You learned that from me last week. <laughs> yeah. But please spread it. What am I spreading? All right, here we go. All right, so all I see, and by the way, the reason this Applebee's Jamarcus Russell accusation is so viable is because he literally ate himself out of the league. Like, that big boy got so big. This conversation is so beautifully us right now. We go from the legend Hank Aaron to Jamarcus Russell in like 30 seconds. Well, it's a hilarious story. How do you go <laughs> to 300 pounds and expect to be an NFL quarterback? What was that kid out of Kentucky? Um, Lorenzen? Jared Lorenzen? Was that his name? Yes. Why do I know that? Because he's the biggest quarterback of all time. His name, his nickname, if I recall, was BBQ, which stood for Big Beautiful Quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> On a day like today, when it's Hank Aaron passes, yesterday, he had some King really good, today. really good nicknames. My favorite was uh, Pillsbury Throwboy. No. Yeah. I love that. The abominable throw man. If we were to look up Jerry Lawrence right now, which, by the way, I'm not going to, which, by the way, I know off the top of my head he played like three to five seasons for the New York Giants, but I don't think ever took a snap. If we were to look him up right now, I can predict his entire life. He played arena football for sure after the NFL. True or false? Correct. Yes. He also 
is not the majority, but he's the minority owner in a couple car dealerships. How do you feel about that? Isn't everybody who plays sports? <laughs> is there still oh is there still a Carl Malone dealership here? There's not anymore. Somebody bought him out, right? There was a while in Albuquerque that Carl Malone put his stamp on Albuquerque and had a car dealership. Hey, so I didn't know this. I'm breaking Larry some news Miller to bought you. him out. Okay. I'm breaking some news. Former Kentucky quarterback Jerry Lorenzen dead. Oh my. Did you know that? I did not. He died in July of 2019. July 3rd. I had no idea. Well, I tell you what, I feel I feel feel a little bad making these jokes and and I feel that with a heavy heart. Mmm. Mmm. Be here all day. I think you're going to feel a lot of pressure <laughs> from the audience for that one, buddy. Ugh. Well, I just want to apologize to everyone to take this weight off my shoulders. Mm. Mm-hmm. The hefty lefty Jerry Lorenzen played four seasons at Kentucky from 2000-2003. Led the SEC in passing yards. I literally did not know that. All right, today's varsity. and It's not going to be a fitting one for like Hank Aaron or Larry King as it should be. Today's varsity. The best athletes in the worst shape. Okay? Excellent. I like this yeah. one. So today's varsity. The best athletes in the in the worst shape. So check that out. Fifteen minutes before we end the program. Program ends at eleven Mountain. So that's noon central, one o'clock on the east. For you West Coast listeners, figure it out. I never know what time you're in. What what is Arizona right now? Are they Mountain or Pacific? I have no clue. Arizona's the same time right now. Pacific is negative one. We're going to push Hank Aaron to talk to the second segment as we got distracted by Purple Drink. <laughs> we got distracted by Jamarcus Russell and Jared Lorenzen. We we're supposed to be paying respects to two giant legends. <laughs> you, well, gotta, you should see Vital's were, face right now. These guys were giants. Sometimes super producer Mike Vital is just so proud of the work he does here. The last three minutes is not a high point for him. If you Google <laughs> fat quarterback, do you know what comes up? Oh, goodness. Hit me with it. Well, it's Jared Lorenzen. I mean, there's no real punchline there. It's just him. Was Jamarcus Russell coached by Rex Ryan? Because he's a big boy. Okay, real talk. Let's pose yeah. a question. Would you rather? Okay. Would you rather be Jared Lorenzen? Yes. Born February 14th, 1981. Oh, a Valentine. Oh, I would have got that. Little Valentine's baby. Okay. Isn't that your birthday? Played in the... Uh, no, close. Two days away. I'm um, 12. Play in the NFL. Have a stelling, stellar college career. Right. Own an arena football team. And if it's up to us, he probably owns a car dealership, too. Probably owns a chain of barbecue restaurants. Mm-hmm. Just, you know he killed it with the ladies. Had to have. Had a very early and untimely death. Mm-hmm. Or would you rather be you? Okay. I see what you're doing here. <laughs> My answer when I get back. 
We're going to step away. We're going to come back. We're going to pay our respects to Hank Aaron. Dave & Buster's presents ABQ Central live from multiple talk ABQ studios powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee. Hey, New Mexico Pinion Coffee, we see you. We appreciate you. 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. Van, whenever you rank legends, like what's your qualifier? Man, that's a good question. What makes you legendary? And by the way, I'd rather have my life than Jared Lorenzen's. I agree. What, that that what, my friend was that my friend was a joke. He was joking. Um, I just need the listener to know that I have enough self awareness to not choose the life of one Jared Lorenzen. That was a joke, but also you put some serious thought into it over the break. I weighed some stuff, <laughs> unlike Jared Lorenzen ever did to himself. Ooh. So. I'm glad you count on yourself, unlike Jared Lorenzen did with calories. Okay. I mean, that's the joke I just told. That is a, you repackaged it. This is classic Amy Schumer BS. (laughs) Normal co-host of the program, Van Nunley, replaced today when Carlos Mencia. Oh, you. mm. Oh, how dare you? 15 short minutes away from Rob Portnoy, we're going to talk Lobos. But knowing Rob, we're going to talk Hank Aaron. And then Jason Buckles will join us at 1030. So we're going to talk mental health a little bit. What's what's Jason's job title, Van? I just know him as friend. Well, yeah, we, we've worked together in a lot of capacities over the years uh, as a mental health professional. He's one of the best in the biz, done a lot for the Albuquerque community mm-hmm. and we're going to talk uh, Delonte West later, but uh, Jason Buckles, uh, Ph.D., LPCC, he's a instructor at UNM and New Mexico Highlands University. He's a consultant for the New Mexico Department of Health, and he's the head of the Developmental Disability Mental Illness Clinic at UNM Health Sciences. The dude wears a lot of hats. We're going to talk about Delonte West and kind of his story as far as where he's been what has occurred, and, and now his journey through rehabilitation. Is that a fair word, rehabilitation? Or is it healing? I don't know what word to use. Well, let's just ask Jason Buckles later. We will at 1030. Hank Aaron, um, and we're talking about, and we're in no hurry to get through this conversation because it deserves all the time in the world. How do you identify a legend, Van? Like, what is, what's your criteria? What makes a person legendary? That's a tough one. I think my short answer would be someone who was on top of their game for as long as possible and also went out on top. Mm-hmm. I think that's a legend. I think that's a really good one. I, there are, I think there are two types, right? Because in my opinion, you can have like a person with like long established everything you know what i mean like you can have hank aaron who did it for 25 years and does that thing or you can have you know iowa state point guard you know ali faruka mesh who hits a three to go over kansas you know one time in his career right yeah you're talking uh mick jagger versus rick ashley absolutely and i think they they both qualify you know what i mean like like they both qualify but the one, 
the one is something special. Like it's um, you only get a handful, right? Like, and Hank Aaron is a prime example. The hammer is a nickname that will go to no one else ever. Oh no, 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 no. The the career and Vital. I know you're from Milwaukee. You're gonna have a strong connection here. The career itself, and tell me if I got the stats wrong, Van, but it's something crazy like 15 years of more than 30 home runs and 20 years of more than 20 home runs and no years of over 50 home runs. Correct. Is all that right? Is that close? The epitome of consistency. Yeah, he played 23 years, and he had 21 all-star nods. Guess which years he wasn't an all-star. War years. His first year and his last year. Oh, my gosh. That's 21 straight all-star games. He had 20 straight years of 20 home runs or more. Mm-hmm. And out of those, you are correct, and out of those 20 straight years of 20, there was 15 years of at least 30 and 8 years of at least 40, and he never hit more than 47. In just one time, 47. That is correct. He is, well, he was the all-time leader in home runs, and a lot of people think that he still is the all-time leader in home runs. He only led the league in homers four times. What do you mean only? Only four times. How can you be the home run king and only lead the league four times? That's just a nod to his epic consistency. There's a couple numbers that are iconic. 755 is iconic. I don't know what Barry Bonds is at. I, I'm being serious. I don't know what the number is. 763, is that right? I literally have no idea. No, I mean, this is a, a vital question. I think 763 is correct. I'm, I, and I'm guessing. And that's probably wrong. But you I'm know, looking it up. You know 714. You know 755. 762 is what Barry Bonds is at. Oh, 62. One off. And Not, I was, bad. And Not bad. No, no, no. Close. But you know what? I know what 755 is. Mm-hmm. Heck, before that, I knew what 714 was. Mm-hmm. 23 seasons. 23 when Hank, seasons. When Hank Aaron came up, I was reading some some articles, and they were saying, you know, as a kid growing up in the South and like the atmosphere of the environment he came up in as far as like segregation and racial pressures and literally physically hiding from the KKK. Correct. Mobile, Alabama was not a good place to be at that time for a young black man. And then to go to Milwaukee. Which is Mobile well, North. Do- yeah. <laughs> That's not, you know what? Maybe then it's not now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we yeah, we've Mil- grown a little bit as a people. Milwaukee's become eclectic, and if you haven't, like enjoy Milwaukee if you get a chance. The flight is cheap. I promise you, no one's going there. Ah, uh, yeah. And Hank Aaron, when did the Vital? You might know when did the Braves go to Atlanta? What year was that? Because I don't recall. Nineteen sixty-five. It's correct, in between the 65 and 66 season. 
Do you remember that iconic when he hits that 715th home run and he's coming around third base and, like, fans are coming out to shake his hand? Yeah. Oh, my God. The guy caught him around, running around third base, patting him on the back. That's so legendary. And ironically, it was a white guy. After does, all the trouble he faced throughout his career. And that guy is a, now a doctor. Oh, is that... Vitalno's oh, the legend. My goodness. Yeah. Best in the I, biz. I was about to make a Steve Bartman joke, but I'm way more into this. <laughs> I got a crazy stat for you, Fred. Is it that Hank Aaron only received 97.8% of his vote for the Hall of Fame in his first year of eligibility? That's bonkers. That's ridiculous. Should be 100%. Yeah, that guy who didn't vote for him. I'm not very proud of that boy. No. Yeah. I like that joke. Thank you. Give me the stat. If you take away all 755... Of Hank Aaron's home runs, he still has over 3,000 hits. Isn't that nuts? It's bonkers. He's the number three all-time on hits. And if you take away all 755 of his home runs, he only drops down to 30th. In hits. Legend. Yes. There's only one other guy that's in that conversation in the history of baseball. There's one guy who, if you were like... Hey, I'm going to take away all these home runs, and there's still over 3,000 hits. There's two guys. Ichiro Suzuki. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't he the – he's got like the RBI lead too, right? That's correct. Stan Musial, who you know I'm the biggest fan of because of my – Affiliation. Yeah. Because where I grew up, St. Louis Cardinal baseball is religion. Stan Musial was that. Stan Musial was if he took all the home runs away, still had the hits, still had the ribbies. Hank Aaron was something special. And when and when a thing today that I love is the celebration of individuals who deserve celebration. Because you can get via Twitter or social media or whatever van. You can get just like the most powerful words from individuals that were impacted by the passing of someone. We saw it last year with Kobe Bryant. And with like, because what, what is like the recent list? The recent list is bad. Like Tom Seaver, Bob Gibson, who am I leaving off? Al- Alkaline, who am I leaving off? Tommy Lasorda. Like all of our baseball heroes are... Far, like bygone you know it's been america's pastime for so long and it's been so culturally relevant in america for so long we're seeing the you know the greatest generation of baseball players are starting to get up there in age and get about the age where it's kind of natural to pass away and so we're going to see more and more of this but i mean it's hank aaron's up there he's you can make an argument that he's the second face, if not the first face, on the Rushmore of baseball. Not just because of his accomplishments, but what he did off the field. What he went through on the field and what he did off the field. He's an advocate for social justice and civil rights his whole career. He was the face of baseball. 
you never saw a World Series game without Hank Aaron sitting next to the commissioner. He's at every social justice event. He's a civil rights leader his whole career. Mm-hmm. And even even as soon as three weeks ago, he was in urban areas in the South advocating for people getting vaccine. He never stopped being an advocate for the community. We're going to bring Rob Portnoy on. We had intention to talk Lobos, but I think I'm going to lead a little bit with Hank Aaron, if you don't mind, Van. Do it. Before we go to the break, this quote. Hank Aaron was often over looked until he started chasing Babe Ruth's home run record, at which point he began receiving death threats and racist letters, letters he would reread decades later to remind himself, quote, not to be surprised or hurt. Those letters changed Hank, but they didn't stop him. From Barack Obama. Whew. Rob Portnoy on the other side when we get back. Dave and Buster's presents ABQ Central live from Multiple Talk ABQ Studios, powered by New Mexico Pinon Coffee. I'm sipping it right now, Van. I'm 3,000 miles away, and I brought Pinon Coffee with me. What a dude. What a dude. <laughs> 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. I'm so fortunate to work one day a week. Hank Aaron worked 150 games a year, and I've never seen Rob Portnoy take a day off. Rob, welcome to the program. How are you? <laughs> now that's a large load of you-know-what. It's great to be with you. <laughs> Good morning, my friend. Welcome to the program. We're going to talk Lobos, I promise. But first, thoughts on Hank Aaron, Rob? Oh, man. Um, I remember his baseball cards when I was a little boy. I mean, that that is kind of, uh, you know, his career wrapped up in Milwaukee when I was a, a young kid. And, you know, I did get to see him play, I suppose, but not not the Hank Aaron that set all the records. Um but an icon for sure, and um, I've still got uh, you know shoeboxes in my garage with Hank Aaron baseball cards from the '70s that I collected when I was a little kid that uh, are cherished. He's uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot of people still feel that Hank Aaron's the home run king, and they might be right. So, exa- where exactly in the garage are these Hank Aaron baseball cards? <laughs> just just curious. No no reason. <laughs> I said shoeboxes. There are, in fact, some shoeboxes that still have baseball cards in them. Some of them are in sleeves. I, I did uh, I did put some of them in sleeves, so, uh, you know, they're in a binder. That, that too. <laughs> Everyone who knows the career of one Rob Portnoy knows that he's a baseball guy first. Um, I mean, you have a ton of talent in basketball. you got a ton of talent in football. I'm, anything you're passionate about, you're, you're the best at, I have no doubt. But, gosh, you're a baseball guy. How wow. excited do you get for – what like Major League Baseball is going to do this season to celebrate 44? Because you know there's going to be multiple across every single opportunity. Like, do you get excited for that stuff like I do? Oh, it's awesome. Um, yeah. You know, what did I, I – somebody uh, just retired his jersey number, too, in, in a different sport. Um, help me with that. Somebody retired oh, I- 44. Yeah, two two different sports, uh, the Atlanta basketball and soccer teams. I saw the Hawks. That's the one I saw. Um, I, I just think that's phenomenal. Uh, no, he, gosh. Georgia Tech as well just retired forty four for this season. Ooh, I just got chills. <laughs> um, no, I, I. It's like um, when the, when the the iconic player gets his his season of. Um, of adulation, uh, I do love that, and it's it's fun to 
to see the stuff that happens, you know, at center court or at home plate or at midfield when the guys talk to the fans and, um, you know, sometimes they're presented with a, a rickety old armchair or something stupid like that. But, mm-hmm. no, I'm, I'm a nostalgia honk. I definitely uh, admit to being probably uh, more emotional than I should sometimes with stuff like that. But uh, I do it unabashedly. I have no problem with it. It's awesome. Rob, thanks for your perspective on Hank Aaron. I know you're a baseball dork like we are, like I am. Uh, but we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the boys. Uh, Lobos basketball finally got off the schneid, broken eight-game losing streak. How did the, how did the boys put it together? What did they do differently? Um, they played a different opponent, one. I mean, we can't overlook that fact. San Jose State was also uh, winless in conference play, Van, so that was – Certainly a big help. And, and then um, another point of uh, observation is that Richard Washington, their best player, went out uh, in the first half after only playing 13 minutes of the game. The guy averages 22 a game. Now, New Mexico was doing a great job defensively on him at the time, so um, it might be that they would have rolled to a, a you know double-digit win anyway, and they were winning handily when he went down. But um, when the best player on the other team – only gets up three shots and scores three points. You're doing something right, um, but also it's you know a result of him going out. That that certainly helped. But hey, New Mexico um, owned the paint, which in the games that they've played their best this season, that's been their formula because they just don't have a lot of jump shooters. Um, and I, I I said this to Coach Weir post game, Van, that I I thought the fact that UNM was able to win this game so comfortably led by as many as 19, won by 16, when they shot 3 of 17 from 3. Um, that's pretty impressive. They dominated, um, you know, the, the points in the paint battle, and, and I think that, that you know, it, it's been a big indicator of how uh, the game has gone for them. And um, this San Jose State team isn't maybe equipped uh, to compete up front like some of the other teams the Lillers have played this season, that's for sure. Uh, but it was a great performance, and now they need to go and back it up today and double up on these guys and sweep the Spartans, and then you know maybe they get a, a little bit of momentum. And uh, look, th- this is a piece of the schedule where you thought if they were going to get well, it's right now. Now you, you got to win on the road when you go play Fresno State next week, but um, you have to feel good that uh, the Lobos have a chance here this second half of the season to come up with some victories. Joining us on the program right now, Rob Portnoy, the voice of everything sports. New Mexico Lobos picked up their first win of the season on Thursday against San Jose State. They play again today at 2 p.m. You mentioned it, Rob. It's, oh, at 12. I'm sorry. I'm on East Coast time. I apologize, fellas. (laughs) With the save. So, the defense. Holding UNLV to low 50s and then, obviously, San Jose State to low 50s. Is this a a pattern? Is this a trend we're going to see, Rob? Are these these boys going to be able to... To keep the ball out of the basket, uh, they have to to compete. Yeah. I mean, it's that it's that simple, Fred. If they don't, they won't. Um, it's not a team that's going to win shootouts. They don't have enough scoring, so they have to hang their hat on their defense. Uh, you know, we've seen it for several weeks now. The Lobos have uh, been running shot clock, um, not really initiating the offense with fifteen, twelve, ten seconds even on the the shot clock before they start to to look for something to, uh, you know, uh, get up to the basket. Uh, this is the way they've got to play right now, and they're equipped to it. 
it's a it's a good defensive team, um, and I think that you'll see these games. It, it's, it's funny um, when they were playing UNLV. I, I said to Hunter off the air during one of the games, you know, first to 60 wins. Well, um, neither team got there. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way that, you know, this is the way New Mexico has to play right now. Um, they played a smaller lineup at the finish of the game uh, against San Jose State to close it out. And, and Coach Weir said it's simply because he wanted his best defensive players on the floor. Uh, and that's how they're going to have to do this get stops, run clock, take good quality shots. And it's funny, he's, he's talked about his offense putting his defense uh, behind the eight ball. And it's not just with the stuff, the, the obvious stuff. You can see when a, a live ball turnover happens and the other team gets a run out and turns it into points. That obviously jeopardizes your defense. But he said it's shot selection. And that's something that, that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, Long rebounds, scramble plays occur off of bad shots all the time. And the Lobos have given up as many fast-break opportunities doing that as they have with just plain old giving the ball away. So they need to be smart on offense and take good shots. Um, And when they do that, I think they can really compete. It's going to be fun. There's some tough uh, matchups in the second half of the schedule. With San Diego State and Colorado State, those two series back-to-back, um, those will test New Mexico, you know, in the same way that Boise State and Utah State tested them early in the year. Rob, they let the kids play this last game. A bunch of freshmen got significant minutes. Is is this going to be the outlook going forward, or is this just a tester because they knew they had some room to maneuver against San Jose State? Well, the the freshmen have been a part of what the Lobos are doing for a while now, and that that's absolutely accurate, man. Um, and, and certainly, you know, some have stepped to the fore over others. Um, uh, Isaiah Marin is, is clearly settling into the backup point guard position and getting consistent minutes there. They even gave him a shot to start as a true freshman at the point. But the last couple of games, the, the floor generalship of Saquon Singleton uh, has been evident. And he's experienced. He's a junior college transfer, and he's the guy – that, that they're going to give the ball for the rest of the season. I think that I don't see any reason for that to change and have him this, you know, start at the point. But having Marin come off the bench, who's a different kind of player than Saquon. Saquon's a, a slasher and a distributor. Uh, Marin can do both of those things as well, but he can also shoot it, um, which the Lobos don't have too many shooters. So um, he offers a, a little bit of a different uh, you know, problem for the defense when he gets his minutes. The redshirt freshman, you know, Byron Matos, has been prominent on the post the entire season. I think that the the two things that have happened here of late that are really noteworthy with regard to the lineup, Van, is that um, Emmanuel Quach has found a home for himself at the three. Coach Weir told me last year that he thought Quach would be a starting four this season. They tried it, and it didn't work. They moved him to the wing, and he's having a real impact on uh, on the game from the wing, Emmanuel Quach. Um, who's not a freshman, but nevertheless still a very young player and, and finding his way. Uh, that's big. And Kurt Vegscheider, um, Coach Weir is not going to get much scoring out of Vegscheider. The, the scoring that he gets from him will be a bonus. It's the other stuff that he does. And he said, look, all the intangibles, all the things that, all the measurables that we look at, some in the box score, some that we keep track of that aren't in the box score, he does the best. So he started, 
And the Lobos starting five played great against San Jose State. They, they're continuing to experiment with that starting five. He's not a freshman, but I would fully expect to see him start again today. If you and I were sitting at the house watching a game, I would be pointing out Saquon Singleton every possession. This kid to me is is kind of a neat thing. Like obviously he controls the ball a lot, but he he does go to the basket in a way that is like a slashing esque. And I don't want to say Allen Iverson because that's too cliche. But like if Scottie Pippen was a point guard, like the way he's able to go to the rim, and if he's not leading the team in free throw attempts, which I'm sure he is, um, yeah, he's a unique talent. So I'm glad you brought him up because he's the guy who's really standing out to me right now. Wow, uh, that that's a really good point. Singleton is. Uh, at 6'6", a very versatile player, and you're dead on about him leading the team in free throw attempts. Oh, is he? He needs to shoot him a little better. Um, uh, Fred, he needs to shoot him better. He's 60% at the foul line, but um, he's done it better lately. He, I love the way he plays, and the, it's funny. The Lobos thought that they had others who could play the point, and they had Saquon at the two, and as others got their opportunity at the point and it didn't work out, and it seemed that the Lobos functioned the best when Saquon was on the point, um, relieving those players at the point when they would go sit down, they said, what are we doing? Let's just go ahead and give him the ball. And it has been a boon for, for UNM. Um, I love the guy. And here's the one thing. Um, if, if he could somehow figure out, Fred, how to knock down an intermediate-range jump shot, um, or uh, a three ball, it would it would completely it would be transformative for for him and for the Lobos. I don't know if that can become part of his game. It does not appear that it is just yet. But they're going to start playing him for the drive. They're going to send a second player at him the same way they do McQuatch Malawatch when he drives. And Saquon's going to have open looks, and he's he's not really taking them yet uh, when they're there. He still doesn't want to. He's reluctant to. Um, and we'll see if he can add that to the repertoire because it would be a force. He would be a force if he could. Well, here's the thing, Rob. These boys aren't practicing. You're not going to make your free throws. You're not going to hit your mid-range jumpers. You're not going to hit your three because you're not in the gym. You're not getting the reps. Like it, the season is too a kooky right now. You can't refine. It's it's go out. It's I don't want to say it's street ball and loose, but I want to say all those things that you traditionally would do to improve, they're not there right now. And you, I think you, not just the Lobos, but all of college basketball, I think you see it in the play on the court right now where anyone can beat anyone and it can be anyone's night because you don't have the regimen that you've classically had in, in college basketball. Well, Fred, that makes you a savvy observer um, <laughs> and, and someone who understands things, you know, what's going on. You're, you're 100% right, but no one cares. I no, mean, gotta win. The, the reality of it, it, it is, is that no one cares, and it's a shame um, but it's the truth, and the, the Lobos have had the worst of it. You know, I mean, other teams have not had any restrictions. Uh, let's just be honest. They, they had their summer workouts. They had their full preparation. They've had an entire month's camp allowed by the NCAA. The Lobos had none of that. Um, so to, to be doing what they're doing is, is admirable, quite honestly, and it's so unfortunate what they've had to go through. I do, I have to mention McQuatch Malwatch one more time before we, we, uh, we finish up because if he, if he has a game tonight like, or today like he had on Thursday, um, this will be a historic day, Fred, because he's going to pass some names that every Lobo fan knows. He needs three points 
to pass David Coyote, four points to pass Philip McDonald, 15 to pass Johnny Brown, 16 to pass Charlie Thomas, and 17 to pass Roman Martinez. These are legends, beloved Lobos. If Malach has an 18-point performance today, he'll jump into the top 25 in all-time scoring in UNM history and slot in at 22. And I went and looked at the list. He could be as high as 17 on the whole history of Lobo basketball uh, on the scoring list for a career by the end of the season. He needs more recognition. I don't want to, but we got to let you go, Rob. Appreciate your time this morning. Fred, Vance, great being with you guys. Keep up the good work, buds. Appreciate you, Rob. When we get back, let's do Hank Aaron a little bit more. I'm not done celebrating. Absolutely we'll wrap up not. that first hour. Damon Busters presents ABQ Central Live from the Talk ABQ Studios, powered by New Mexico Pinon Coffee. 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. We've been celebrating Hank Aaron all morning, and it was kind of Rob Bournoy to join us to give his perspective and talk a little Lobos. Van. You. We're talking about legacy, and, and I keep going back to 755, right? That's, to me, the thing. Sure. But you are a nerd. Yeah, that is correct. Like, you, as far as, like, really geeking out, you know all the reasons why Hank Aaron is better than the moniker of 755. That is correct. I could drop a few more. I got a few, I got a few more good ones for you. And that's why I'm right here with you. Help me. <laughs> Give it to me. Because, like, I don't know what his war is. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got no idea. Like, t- like, put it into perspective to me just how Rushmore Hank Aaron is. Please. And here's a nod to the complete player that Hank Aaron was. Because, yes. you know, now home run hitters, there's not a lot of guys that put the ball in play every time. It's more of no. a three true outcome game now homer walk strikeout it's boring as you know hank aaron played the third most games of all time until i wouldn't have got that i would not have got that third most games of all time behind pete rose and collier scrimshke until barry bonds lapped him he was the home run king and you know Mm -hmm. home runs equal strikeouts even though hank aaron had the most home runs of all time at the time he was all the way down on the list at 112th all-time in strikeouts. What? So even though he was number one in home runs, yes. as of his retirement, he Correct. was 112th in strikeouts. So that he's means he's always there. putting the ball in play. He's always legging out singles, and that's how he got over 3,000 hits. The number two of all-time in total bases I know is Stan Musial with like 6,100 and some change. Total bases for Hank Aaron blows Stan Musial away. It's kind of gross, isn't it? I believe, and tell me if this is wrong, Hank Aaron's total bases is like 68 or 6,900. Yeah, uh, 6,800 and some change. That one I don't have memorized. 6,800 and some change of total bases. That's almost three bases a game. You could count on a double and be on scoring position every single day. I got another one for you, buddy. Is it that Stan Musial would have needed another 181 home runs to even (laughs) come near Hank Aaron in total base? Give it to me. I'm sorry. Give it to me. I'm ready. Hank Aaron played 3,298 games. Okay. 
755 home runs. Yes. That is a home run every 4.3 games. That is a career year for any MLB player. He did that over 23 seasons. Can you imagine having a season where you hit a dinger twice a week? Yeah, I I imagine it often. It's like my dream. (laughs) Yes, Fred. Yes, Fred. do fantasize about the greatest thing that could ever happen to me. Duh, yes. I would like George Springer money. Thank you for recommending that. Okay, you want my dork stats? Okay, this is what I was really wanting. This didn't matter back in the day. It was all about batting average, home runs, and ribbies. Okay. But going back and reanalyzing classic baseball, Hank Aaron had 15 straight years of six war. And war, if you don't know what that means, it's wins above replacement. So you know baseball's a team game. I've heard. Everybody's got to play together to get those Ws. Similar to golf and tennis. But throughout a season... He was responsible of six wins by himself. A single player out of nine. You can count on him to single-handedly win you six games a year, and he did it for 15 straight years. So break down war for me. Does that mean there were six games every season where you knew he would get the walk-off, or is that more of like there's six games every season where you know he would either get the go-ahead or he would prevent or like, what, like, like give me war? Okay, so war. if you have a zero war, that means you're a league average player. Okay. If you have one war, that means you're probably an MLB starter. If you have two war, that means you're probably getting some all-star votes. If you have three war, you're getting some MVP votes. You're Mike Trout. And then you get if you get three or more, exactly, you're Mike Trout, you're Mookie Betts, you're, you got legendary status. He had more than six for 15 straight years. Oh, my gosh. I got another one for you, buddy. Negative, right? Negative. (laughs) Against Hall of Fame pictures. And if you don't know what OPS is, I'm going to hit you with another dork stat. That's on base plus slugging. I'm familiar with that one. You know that one. A lot of people know that one. So Hall of Fame pictures... Average five sixty point five six seven OPS. Okay, so if you're in the Hall of Fame, you had a great career. The average hitter hit point five six seven for you. That's on base plus slugging. Hank Aaron hit point eight two zero against Hall of Fame pitchers. Did not care. You don't care who's on the mound. He's slugging. I'm loving this talk. I'm loving the stats. When we get back from break, we're going to talk a little more industry than we are sports. Larry King passed away this morning. Your two short minutes from us coming back. Dave Busters presents ABQ Central, live from multiple talk ABQ studios, powered by New Mexico Pinon. That's a coffee, man. 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. The intro van was produced by... Star of TV and radio, New Mexico Broadcaster of the Year Award winner. Um, composer. back to back. Back to, I apologize. <laughs> Father to a beautiful son. Fiance to a beautiful wife in front of the show, Brandon Ortega. He killed it, didn't KOB. he? KOB. 
And what the listener doesn't hear is every time we start the intro music, Vital in the background will sing along to it. (laughs) (laughs) And he does it in different renditions every time. And I just crack up on my end. Same. And this time was rock-esque, I would say, as he hit with ba-ba-ba-ba. So I'm a fan of Vital. I'm a fan of the intro to the show. And at least it makes me laugh. I got a quote for you. Ready? Hit me. Jimmy Carter said, quote, about Hank Aaron, quote, the first black man for whom the white fans in the South cheered. Well, shoot. (laughs) Ain't that some. Um, You know you're of a special ilk when – all of the presidents are making an effort to celebrate you. That's such a big um, deal. From Joe Biden yesterday, quote, when I watched Henry Aaron play baseball, I knew I was watching someone special. I wasn't just about, it wasn't just about watching a gifted athlete master his craft on the way to a Hall of Fame career as one of the greatest to ever play the game. It was that each time Henry Aaron rounded the bases, he wasn't just chasing a record. He was helping us chase a better version of ourselves. Oof. So, um, Joe Biden, a little long-winded. Uh, I'm not used to that from a president. We used <laughs> to just have three-word sentences. Uh, get ready for paragraph form, America. Who's Joe Biden's writer now? That was beautiful. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I got one for you, Fredo. Oh, I'm ready. What a lot, who a lot of people consider to be the greatest. Okay. Who referred to himself as the greatest. Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali okay. once said about Hank Aaron, quote, the only man I idolize more than myself. Oh, fire. And if you know anything about Muhammad Ali, you know how big of a deal that is. Oh, fire. Did I tell you I sat next to Muhammad Ali on a plane? No. Yeah. So I, I was flying back from um, Major League Baseball. 2010, Whitey Herzog and Ozzie Smith were going into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame um, in Cooperstown. That's where they do that. Sure. So I was flying back literally on a uh, Southwest flight from New York, LaGuardia or whatever it is in New York, JFK. I have no idea. So I'm flying back to St. Louis, and I'm literally sitting right next to Muhammad Ali. And uh, it was the most turbulent flight I had ever been on. Fred? Yes. I just dropped this beautiful quote about Muhammad Ali. And you go and totally redeem yourself. No, I'm kidding. That was horrible. Yeah, you can have that one, listener. That's a quality one. They didn't balance out the turbulence? I see what you did there. Yeah. Looking for an equilibrium. Yeah. <laughs> so you think, like whenever you rub your finger on the top of a glass, and you're trying to get like the perfect balance. Uh, these jokes, I don't know if would have gone over as well in Larry King's program. Legendary talk show host Larry King passes away this morning. Complications, COVID-19, dies at the age of 87. Ooh-wee, huh? And I don't want to say this in jest, 
Don't then. I thought he was older. He seems like he's been on top of the game for so long. 50 years. He was creeping up on triple digits. 50. And he's looked exactly the same since I first listened to him, like, late 80s, early 90s. Since 1990, I do not believe for one second. How long was he on CNN? 25 years? If that's not right, that's close to right? Sure. I, I don't know as much about Larry King as I do Hank Aaron, so you're going to have to take the lead on this uh, one. i tell you what I appreciate from old Larry, and you'll appreciate this. We're talking about long de- longevity. I mean, he lived through extinction of the dinosaurs, the birth and death of Jesus. Vital, didn't you tell me you lived through the Spanish Inquisition? I know you said that, so that was like an interesting tidbit. American Revolution, Civil War, two world wars, Van. It's an incredible run. He played JV baseball with Hank Aaron Sr. Correct? Yeah. He saw the birth and death of hair metal. (laughs) I mean, that was only like 12 years. That wasn't a big deal. From when it was a radio (laughs) Nickelodeon to a TV show, he never missed a single episode of General Hospital. I want that to be, like, in perspective. He survived Trump's presidency. Ooh, impressive. There's two really, really big things that I, I like and respect about Larry King. And yeah. number one is he revolutionized the long form interview. Oh, yes. Sitting around for an hour, really getting down to the brass tacks with mm-hmm. whatever subject it may be or whatever guest it may be. Yeah, number one, like, I mean, that's that's media now, right? Like, that's what people ingest on their own is long-form interviews. You got your podcast. Correct. You got, you know, Joe Rogan's on top right now doing it. But well, a lot of people do it really well falling off with the long – oh, man, tell me about it. So a lot of people, like, that's – the long-form interview is, is what it is now, and Larry King revolutionized that. And number two, he took no crap from nobody. There was no fluffy puff pieces. He always challenged you, and I, I respect that as well. The the format you're talking about, like the Charlie Rose kind of format, um, it was different, I think, for Larry King. Because I think you'll find a lot of interviewers who are like, hey, let me give you like a diatribe on what I know about you. Let me tell you how informed and aware I am. But, like, famously, Larry King was like, if you're going to come on and talk about your book, I'm not going to read your book beforehand. Like, you, like, convince me to read your book. Put your book over, you know? And that, to me, is so interesting where if, for instance, Larry King was to sit down with, I'm just going to name a name, Stephen King, and be like, oh, you got a new book. What's it about? That's it. That's all it takes. And that's an interview style that I don't necessarily think we see as much anymore. Agreed. Yeah, and it's agreed. good though. It's like it's like bygone. I think right now the best interviewer in the game is not you or I. The best interviewer in the game currently, as we go, is Sean Evans. Are you familiar with Sean Evans? The the wing guy. Yeah. Do you watch it? Sure. Hot ones. Yeah. Sean Evans to me can sit down with anyone, have a knowledge base, and just draw from that knowledge base. And it blows my mind. You get you get from people on Sean Evans' program the same way you used to get from Larry King. 
which is he's not going to ask you hard-hitting questions. He's not going to break you down and, and whatever. He famously asked Nixon how he feels when he drives past the Watergate Hotel. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the stones on that guy. <laughs> you ever been married, man? Uh, I've been married zero times. Okay, well, Larry King's got you covered. <laughs> yeah, he did it for the both of us for sure. Seven of them, eight of them with seven gals. Eight Most marriages, reasons. seven gals. Yes. Dude liked Most to party. <laughs> yes. He liked a ceremony. What can I say? He was a sports broadcaster originally. Sure was. Sports a la King was his program. That's, a, that's actually a pretty good name. Larry Zeiger. That's biblically his name? Yep. That's his, that's his Christian name? Hero and Me Too came out. He was from a time. Yeah. Where the anti-Semitism was just as bad as the... the yeah, exactly. The anti-Semitism was just as bad as uh, the racism. Yes. So he had to change his name to sound less Jewish for a chance to be successful. A lot of stage names out there. People need them, though. Sure. Uh, a couple of years ago, Me Too movement was taking um, Hollywood by storm. Larry King was accused of, of, of a gentle, like guy said, hey, Larry King touched me. Larry King says, no, no, I did not. Larry <laughs> King says, "You shut up. <laughs> like, you think I've been married seven times. You think I'm into dudes? Get out of here. I like my women, and I like my women in white lacy dresses. He made calling radio and TV cool. Sure. Like, if you're a fan of that, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a chance until you drop the F-bomb, and then I've got to cut you off. Dolores in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Sure. I remember says, that for years and years. Garlic, what is that? I've never heard of that. The the garlic supplement? That was like his biggest commercial for years and years. Was that in our ear or was that on the radio? Oh, okay. Sometimes I, I don't I sometimes I don't know if Vital's joining me and you, Fred, or if he's just in our ear, like giving us stats and jokes and facts. Most of my jokes are spawned from Vital. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> are rewritten by me. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. <laughs> the timing's off because we're 2,000 miles apart. Uh, I'm into Larry. <laughs> that one's on air. I, uh, I very much appreciated the interview style i very much appreciated the format i very much appreciated so many things about larry king longevity one of those um r.i.p to a legend any final words on old larry king before well there was a long time where i mean he was okay i see what i did there he was the king of media Ooh. uh and people would go on to his show to break big news Instead of like the internet age where everyone knows yeah. before it happened, people would go on. A sh like Ross Perot announces bid. Correct. To become Al president. Al Gore broke NAFTA 
Like, there's all kinds of crazy stories that broke on his show. If I had half the skill of Larry King, I'd be the second best all time. It's pretty good. Sure. Well, when we get back, more talk radio for your ears. Dave and Buster's presents ABQ Central live from the Talk ABQ Studios, powered by New Mexico Pinon Coffee. 95.9 FM AM 610, the sports animal. New Mexico Department of Health has begun the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. Registration is open now at VaccineNM.org. Registering for the vaccine is easy. First, create your unique registration profile. You'll then receive a confirmation code via text or email. Use your code to access your profile and enter your information. Once your profile is complete, the department will then notify you when the vaccine is available. Once you're notified, follow the instructions and schedule your appointment. Visit VaccineNM.org to get started today. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red-hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out. Because when you find the perfect home, you don't want to lose it to anybody else. Rocket technology provides a rock-solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers and their agents greater confidence in you. We've already helped over 1 million clients just like you reach their home financing goals this year alone. So remember this, what can help you buy the home you really want? Rocket can. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. That's rocketmortgage.com or call 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information, appraisal, and title report. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states at MLSConsumerAccess.org, number 3030. Whether you're a pro on the job site or managing properties, clean and safe is your number one priority. And Lowe's has the pro-grade cleaning supplies you need. We go beyond the basics, bringing you commercial cleaning from top brands like Clorox, Zep, and Rubbermaid. And in larger sizes, so you can take on any cleaning job knowing you have the quantity you need. Shop Lowe'sForPros.com and have your items delivered or pick up in store. Lowe's, the new home for pros. U.S. only. Does learning a language feel like this? No habla espanol. Hablo. It's hablo? Yes. It's hablo. <laughs> when you learn a language, you want to actually use it. Babbel is designed with that goal in mind. Since my husband is from Guatemala, I'll apply what I've learned in Babbel to our real-life situations. The app is so easy to use, and it's so practical. It helps you learn things that you will actually need. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. We are the University of New Mexico Lobos, and we represent a state like no other. We are the land of enchantment, the home of great cities, great landscapes, and greater people. We represent you, the citizens of New Mexico, brave and resolute, resilient and determined. We will always work hard and never back down, never yield. We will always carry the name of our state with pride. We are New Mexico. Stay strong, Lobos, and we'll see you soon. Are you tweaked? Just kidding. No, I'm not. The Jim Rome Show, weekdays at 10 on 95.9 FM and AM 610. The Sports Animal. Back on the program, Van. And I don't know why I haven't, but I'm going to remind the listener that we take calls on this show, 505-246-0610. We have friends of the show, Van. Sure do. 
we give them an opportunity to come on and talk a little bit about, well, sports. You know what? Even life. We just want to talk about life. Boys help boys. We'll listen. No doubt. We're excited to have Jason Buckles on at 1030. We're going to talk mental health a little bit and specifically as it relates to high-profile individuals. And Delonte West is um, our example for the class on that. So we are excited. Um, all right, I got a fact for you, Van. Are you ready? Hit me with it. Hank Aaron, who I guess didn't love the nickname Hank. So Henry Aaron and his brother Tommy Aaron hold the record for most home runs by brothers. Isn't that something? <laughs> yes, I, I did know that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Aaron only hit 13 home runs in his major league career. Still pretty good, though. Still, yeah. <laughs> It's not easy to do. The last active major league player who began his career in the Negro Leagues. Isn't that crazy? Sure is. Sure is. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned we're going to open up the phone lines, 505-246-0610. I want to hear some Hank Aaron stories. Ooh. If you got a Hank Aaron story, if you got a childhood Hank Aaron story, if you got how... Henry Hammer and Hank Aaron impacted your life. We want to hear about it. I got when, one. Wh- wh- All is right, it where you were when he when he hit seven when he hit seven fifteen because that's what I want to know. This was after he hit seven fifteen. It was mid seventies. I was a kid, and um, they had those caravans. Do they have those uh, with with your teams too? I think every major league baseball. It's during February or January. It's right before know. spring training, and the well, Major League Baseball used to do these caravans around the states where their region are to drum up support for the upcoming season. Like barnstorming, is that what we're talking? No, about? No, it's yeah. kind of like caravan, you know, where they 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 meet the they go to different communities across the state. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking and about. And yeah. so they do that. I don't know if they the, do that. The last few years, the Astros have been doing meet and greets at local Whataburger restaurants. <laughs> that is not a joke. That we really do. Really? That. Yep. Oh, I thought you were joking. That is not a joke. Well, a- anyhow, so Henry Aaron was signing baseballs. I had a baseball, brand new one, and. Uh, he signed it for me, and, and I said, hey, appreciate all the way you do. And he goes, oh, thank you. Very nice, real gentle guy. Aww. And his arms were as big as my legs, his forearms. And uh, Johnny Bench was on Dan Patrick yesterday and said that his his wrists and his hands were so fast when he swung the bat that that was one of the keys to him with all the home runs. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about crazy stats earlier and one stat that hasn't gone back yet, and it's a super new stat, is barrels. Depending on your launch, launch angle and your speed off the bat, some hits are considered barrels when you just hit the ball perfectly. With Hank Aaron's compact swing and really just basic stance and short stride, he had to have had just an astronomical amount of barrels because he didn't have a swing like Reggie Jackson, or he didn't wind up like a lot of players and swing out of his shoes. It was short and compact and strong, so I would love to see those numbers. I got some good news, Van. Hit me with it. You can get... So Hank Aaron played for the Indianapolis Clowns, okay? We can get Indianapolis Clowns apparel. That is good news. I think I'm going to get that. I don't know anything about, like, the evolution of equipment, really, in the game. 
You know, like, is Hank Aaron the bat he's swinging? I would assume it's not as, like, selected and grown and, and, and perfected the way that bats are today, right? Sure. Question mark? Yeah, with old, dead baseballs. The fields were bigger. Different Something day. Crazy. Just different. 505-246-0610. I think what is lost in this conversation we've had about Hank Aaron this entire morning, and, and if you're a listener and, and you can contribute, give us a call. Chasing Babe Ruth's home run record was a huge deal. Like, you and I weren't alive, but it was as big of a sports story as any sports story that's ever sported. Just at the face of it. Yeah, I mean, that's when baseball was on top. The NFL wasn't even close. Basketball wasn't even close. I don't even think they knew how to freeze ice yet. Hockey wasn't relevant. No. It was all about baseball. Baseball, boxing, and horse racing. So not only was it culturally (laughs) significant, it's baseball's a, a counting game. It's a stats game. And records aren't held in such high regard in other sports as they are in baseball. Correct. Baseball gets a little nitpicky with stats, and I, but as I get older, I see why how important it is to the game. Yeah, I mean the significance is huge. You have such a huge data set. Like you're playing 162 games, you're getting three or four at bats. You're pitching four, five, six, seven innings a game. Like you're. Your stats and metrics are truly indicative of future performance in baseball. You can't really do that in any other sport. And the thing that's like about baseball anyways. Did you just sigh after I said that? No, no, you're right. (laughs) There's there's no other sport (laughs) where statistics can predict future success as much as baseball. Well, no, I, I agree with you, but here's my, here's my um, dissidence, okay? Like, Barry Bonds, hand-to-eye, ball on the bat, like, just top tier, right? Barry Bonds without all the home runs before all the enhance, enhancing, that's a Hall of Famer. He was a Hall of Famer before he started growing his head. Correct. Yeah. And that's where the sigh comes from with me, because it's like, you hear a lot of guys like grandstanding, you know, like Hank Aaron's the true home run king and this and that. And statistically speaking, no. You know, statistically speaking, he's not. But is he, Van? Like, because with the rich history of the game, is Hank Aaron ever really surpassed? Because Barry Bonds a freaking cheater. You know, base, baseballs are tighter now. Bats are better now. You know, the game has evolved. Like, do you do like a post-1990 new history of baseball does Ken Burns put out another documentary, Cheaters Edition? Yeah, I mean, for the baseball dork like me, like you, we can separate generations. We can separate eras. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, you know, dead ball era. You know, you got Bob Gibson, like after he dominated baseball, they ch- right. completely changed the rules for him. That started another era. And then you got, you know, the stolen base era where there were more and more better athletes and faster, and people just put the ball in play, steal a base, get a sack fly, small ball era, and then you got you know more and more better athletes and then weight training and then 
eventually the steroid era. I mean, so you could break baseball down into four or five, six different eras and look at them separately. But that's not what we do. Statistics are as a whole. (laughs) If you're going to, I mean, Barry Bonds, no matter what you think about him, no matter what you think about what he did to his body, taking performance-enhancing drugs, he's the home run king. In my heart, it's Hank Aaron, and that's taking nothing away from the amazing athlete and baseball player Barry Bonds was, but I'm in the separate the generations camp, and I think Hank Aaron is the true home run king. Whenever I became a baseball fan, so realistically, 1990, is that probably right? Sure. So, what, yeah, one of my six years old. Um, so, early 90s when I became a baseball fan, you know Hank Aaron's name before you know, like, all the players in the league. And I don't even mean all, but I mean, like, the standout ones, you know? Yeah. Like, that's how iconic of a figure. Because he had, you know, been out of the game for, when inducted in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in 81, so five years. So, what's that, 77 or late 70s? I don't know, just kind of a, I don't know, a sad legend lost is what this is. And and I'm glad we gave so much time to it. Because like I said, it, it resonated with me. Um, I know it resonated with you. And um, and it seems like a little, um, like, untouchable to me. Because I feel like often you'll see when a quote-unquote celebrity or, or person of prominence passes that there'll be, some sort. I used this phrase earlier, but there'll be some sort of grandstanding, like about this person, or here, let's you know, let's get the skeletons out of their closet, or let's, you know, I don't think Hank Aaron will get that treatment. I think, I think this is one that is celebration only. Um, kind of unique. Yeah, really I mean, there's as far as I know, and you know, as prominent of a figure Hank Aaron was, if if there was some kind of negative pub, if there was some kind of horrible incidents. They yeah. would have came out already, and they'd definitely be coming out now. I mean, if you don't have haters, then you're not doing it right. You know what I mean? And well, there's got, he's got to have haters out there who are just chomping at the bit to say something negative about him. And guess what? Crickets. Yeah, crickets. He just, like, three weeks ago, I think you were saying it, two weeks ago? Yeah, he took three, the COVID, three weeks ago. Three. Yeah. yeah, he took the COVID-19 vaccine to encourage, like, the African-American community to also embrace the vaccine. I haven't seen it. Maybe it's out there. I just haven't seen it. I haven't seen like weird, like certain political belief, conspiracy theory that there's an effort to like, there's been no stuff like that. At least that I've seen. I'm just saying. Yeah. When you're so special. You like with, you know, the, the internet and everyone being able to have their voice heard and all the fake news yeah. out there. It's hard to survive a hashtag me too movement. It's hard mm-hmm. to survive like a history of drug abuse or whatever. And there's, there's absolutely crickets about Hank Aaron. He's just a legendary athlete on the field and a legendary human being off the field. And you, can, you can't say anything bad about the guy. No. Lived his whole life as an advocate for civil rights and social justice. Ooh. He was the face of baseball. 
In fact, when he when he signed my baseball, you guys, he wasn't supposed to. So he had a publicist right next to him. He goes, "No, you you can't do that." And he goes, "Why not?" Huh. And he looked, and he goes, "Why not?" He wants to sign. He goes, "Oh, I'll sign it." He goes, and the publicist just looked at him, rolled his eyes, and I was thinking, what a dork the publicist was. But Henry Aaron was just like, "Why not?" And he signed it for me anyhow. That's kind of the guy that I saw in that five minutes. How old were you, Vital, at that time? Oh, I was like seven, eight. Oh, that's perfect. That's a perfect time to meet your heroes. That's when he finished up his career with the Milwaukee Brewers. Hmm. We got to grab a break. I couldn't oh, do. Ahead, I couldn't do what he did. Obviously, as a talented athlete, I could not do what he did. No, I'm referring to him, not me, as a talented athlete. Yes, even though. Vital's looking at me right now. Look at all this. Elite level athlete, duh. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. But could you imagine being a, a Henry Aaron or a Jackie Robinson? The kind of nope. courage and strength that it took to get heckled every single day of your life, to get death threats and still rise above that, not just to show up, which was job number one, how impossible that task would have been, but to thrive. And been a great example. Like that's I'm, it's I'm harrowing. You, I cannot. I cannot imagine it. We all have our demons. We all have obstacles that we have to overcome. But I, I'm ten ply soft, bud. Like there's oh, yeah. there's no way I could have made it through that. I'm put together with spare parts over here. Like like my life compared. And I know we got to grab a break, so I apologize. But my life over here compared to like Henry Aaron's life. Like I'm six and a half foot tall and, and, and white and and handsome and charismatic and articulate and I have it about and as so easy. so humble. I mean that's your best quality, how humble oh, you man, are. Oh man, I I have it easy, Van. Like and I'm doing nothing. I had to think if Jared Lorenzen had a better life than me. <laughs> Hank Aaron. Goat. Goat. Let's grab a break. We're going to go to another legend, one Conor McGregor, when we get back. Van, we're not breaking down the fight. I'm breaking down if it even matters. Dave Musters presents ABQ Central live from the Talk ABQ Studios. Power of New Mexico, Pinion Coffee, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. Van. Yo. Did you know? Probably not. That the NFL championship games are tomorrow, and you can listen to them here. 95.9 FM, AM 610. The Sports Animal. Okay, I think. So the first one, the NFC one, is at noon, Mountain. And then the AFC one to follow. So, yeah. What did you say, Vital 440? So, okay. But they won't start it until the other one ends. So just, if you're in the car, or if you're, if, if you're outside Chorin, if you're Chorin all day on Sunday, Van, and you want to listen to the game, Check out the sports animal. We got it for you. That I did know. But okay. thank you for telling the listener. Well, I was trying to just have a conversation with you there. No, oh, thank um, you. Appreciate you. If you are a big fan of mixed martial arts, specifically UFC, you tune in at 11 a.m. to On the Mic with Mike Adams and Micah Frankel. And they, they break it down. They tell you what the UAE and Abu Dhabi stands for. Because I have no idea. Like, Where did you get that information? From on the mic? The acronym of the country? No, I'm a history major. <laughs> United Arab Emirates. Yeah. That's low-hanging fruit. 
which shows how little I know about this. But I do like when celebrities decide to start fighting, and that's what's happened tonight. Is Conor McGregor, the celebrity who is Conor McGregor has decided that he's a UFC fighter now. Did you try to go back? He's going back tonight. Ah. Did you know this? That I did. He's going to fight a guy named Dustin with a French last name. A Poyal. Oh, okay. Well, Dustin so, Poyal. I say that one right? Uh, Poyer. Poyer. See? Poyer. Said it right. Nailed. Yeah, you were close. Nailed it. The tail of the tape says, <laughs> tune in, this is a big deal, they fought before, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just don't care. Um, I want to care. I want to be able to break down the fight. I want to tell you I'm going to tune in, and it's going to be the most exciting UFC thing and way to kick off the year and and – and Dana White is the dude of all dudes when it comes to promotion and this and that and up and down. Um, but Conor McGregor is the guy who turned me off the sport for for all. Well, Fred, I don't mind telling you. Yeah. I'm going exactly oppo on this one. Yeah, I know you are. You love this stuff. Conor McGregor is must-see TV. Yes. He's entertaining. He's captivating. Mm-hmm. Correct. And honestly, I don't care if he wins or loses. No, I have would you? no skin in the game at all. I just want to see him do something ridiculous in the ring. I want to see him talk smack. I want to see him tease the opponent. I want to see the post-fight interview. I want to see the pre-fight interview. He is wildly entertaining. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about Conor McGregor the last couple of years. Most of it's super negative because yes, in his that's how I feel in his personal life, he's kind of a dumpster fire he's the worst he is a horrible person he's john jones bad and maybe he's turned it around turned a new leaf whatever what that being aside that being said he's so gd entertaining i can't handle it he used to be entertaining he's still entertaining he's hilarious okay you're losing me here in 2013, 14, 15, he was entertaining. Still is. Everything, Still the oh, same dude. Gosh, you were just so insanely wrong here. And he this is, this is not record. because of my Irish heritage either okay. or my ginger sensibilities. I objectively find him entertaining. I have no allegiance to him because of nationality. Didn't he box a guy? What do you mean, didn't he box a guy? Wasn't that a thing? He boxed Floyd F. Mayweather. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that <laughs> it was like the biggest deal in the world for a second. Was it? He was being toyed with, but he hung with the guy. What year was that? 2015. That's what I'm telling you. Oh, was it? I don't know. We're 16. That's how long it's been since I've been like, oh, okay. When he fought that um, Khabib, whatever, and all these guys are jumping over fences and if you remember beforehand they threw like a dolly or something through like a bus and yes yeah and and someone got a scratched cornea or like punched an old guy and the old guy punched oh, him yeah. back yeah punched an old man punch cool. one of the hardest old men i've ever seen oh yeah he didn't mess a professional ufc fighter sucker punched a dude and this old irish guy in the bar he was a retired care. plumber. Took it like he f- sloughed off guy. a horse fly. Yeah, the old guy was a tough guy. 
Joe the plumber. See, and, and this is bonkers to me, Fred, that you don't love these antics. This is not a work. Though. Because you're exactly. You see where like I'm WWE, going with this. WWE, though. Yeah, you're a WWE guy. Yeah. Like, you would love these storylines mm-hmm. if it was about your favorite wrestler. But it's some dumpster fire of a human in real life, so, yes. so you I'm switch disconnected. Your... Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't listen to Cardi B. Not because I don't think she's talented, because she's a terrible person. Yeah, yeah. I don't listen to Chris Brown. Not because I don't think he's talented. I, as much as anyone, love the soundtrack to Space Jam. You know what I'm not listening to now? That's Conor McGregor for me. Wait, what happened to Space Jam? Well, I mean, R. Kelly. He got oh, oh my God! Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, um, R. Kelly was garbage before. If, okay, if you didn't know this, loyal listener, that's a million times yeah. incorrect. He's, the remix to Ignition was the anthem to my childhood. Unlistenable. Dave Chappelle's version, because that one was way better. I'm gonna have to do some googling. Um, <laughs> I'm not familiar with that work. It is so phenomenal. Here's how much I don't care about Conor McGregor. I'm in a place where I should hate Conor McGregor because his qualities as a person are so embarrassingly bad that I should root against Conor McGregor. When uh, one of the Diaz's, I don't remember which one, like like choked him to death last time he was out there, I should have been like, oh, this is really exciting and I'm super invested and I love that he's getting choked to death. Did not care. Didn't even watch it. Didn't tune in. I'm not giving ESPN Plus my $65. Wasn't for me, man. Was not for me. Well, he is for me. Give me all the entertainers you got. The last UFC I watched was the one when Conor McGregor of the Bloods and Khabib, I'm not going to pronounce this last name, of the Crips, were fighting Norma, Gr- Mi- Norma Gramedov. Nurmagomedov. Correct. Yeah. Naga, Naga, Naga. Naga. Not going to fight here anymore. Newton. <laughs> and then they had a turf war post match, and I said, this is okay. Everyone involved in this is the worst human being on the planet. There's no pros here, there are no professionals at all here. These are just dirtbags who are good at throwing fists. Oh, my God, you're describing why I like it. I think you're kind of proving my point. (laughs) That's why I find it captivating. If my daughter is going on a date with him, that that will not be happening. If he's going to be on television, count me in. I need a redemption story. You got one in the works right here, buddy. You're you're watching it in real time. I need... Conor McGregor to go on a caravan around the countries, not just my country, his country too, and just apologize for being me. I was young, I was dumb, I'm Conor McGregor. If he does that, donates, if he starts a charity called uh, a co-main event and it's a co-op, to help the prisoners reacclimate to the co- yes, then I'm in on Conor McGregor. But until then, I don't care. I don't care at all. So, where are you going to watch it tonight, Van? Probably on the interwebs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, interwebs. 
Just at the house. Feet kicked up. A little f- social distance on the interwebs with the homies. Okay. Not for me. Not for me. But if you want to break down the actual about on the mic, 11 a.m., Mike Adams, Mike Frankel. Yeah, we'll talk entertainment. They will talk X's and O's. Oh, because they know. Yeah. If you if you said he's going to hit him with a reverse XL lampshade hold, I'd be like, what? I don't I don't know what that is, man. No. Yeah. As I shouldn't. Yeah. Let's grab a break. When we get back, man, I got some more for you. What does that mean? NFC Championship game Central live from multiple talk studios powered by Mexico. Exciting day of football, and we'll break that all down starting in about 15 minutes. Van, the internet, since the inauguration, have you been on it? I've been glued to it. Okay. I have only been on the internet every moment that I'm not making Bernie Sanders memes. No doubt. Oh, my gosh. They're the most fire thing in the history of things, and I'm I'm not an alarmist. So no matter where you are, yes, on the political spectrum, you gotta admit there's been a lot of division in this country. Some people say split right down the middle. I mm-hmm. say it's split in thirds. You got each polar opposite and the gray area in the middle. Correct. Let's say we're split in half. A lot of division in this country. Once Bernie and his mittens showed up to the inauguration. It was over. Bernie Sanders mitten memes has united this country Mm -hmm. in a way that hasn't happened since September 11th. Would you like a list of some places that I've seen Bernie Sanders? (laughs) Okay, here we go. Are you just going to play the Johnny Cash song? I've been everywhere, man. It's a really good joke. Thank you. I saw Bernie Sanders behind a microphone saying, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yep. I thought that was brilliant. Um, I saw Bernie Sanders sitting across from the weird-eyed girl from Queen's Gambit playing chess. thought that was pretty brilliant. Um, I saw Bernie Sanders <laughs> leaned up against Deadpool Helping him proofread a note. And I said, that's, that's pretty clever there. I saw Bernie Sanders on bottle caps. I saw Bernie Sanders uh, playing the drums for the Foo Fighters. I saw Bernie Sanders on Game of Thrones and sitting in Jean-Luc Picard's seat on uh, the Star Trek Enterprise. I seen Bernie Sanders in Baby Yoda's little dealie. I've seen Bernie Sanders everywhere, man. <laughs> I've seen Bernie everywhere, man. <laughs> It is brilliant, man, and I love it that to the left, Bernie is such an endearing figure yes. for decades now. They embrace this meme to poke fun and honor him. Yes. And then on the other end of the political spectrum, he's some communist, and they use to meet the meme to make fun of him. And there's a bunch of us in the middle, like me and you, who are just like, don't care. Give me all you got. These are Correct. money. These are money. There is a brilliance when you see Bob Ross painting a picture of Bertie Sanders next to Happy Trees. 
It's beautiful. When you see <laughs> Indiana Jones trying to take Bernie Sanders out of the Temple of Doom, or the, whatever the first one, like these are these are so brilliant. The scene from that '70s show where the camera goes around the table and all the kids are smoking weed, and Bernie Sanders is one of them. <laughs> like, like the scene from Friday, they go, "Damn!" And it's Bernie Sanders instead of Ice Cube leaning yes. over. So good. When Bernie Sanders has been photoshopped into like the Raging Rivers ride at your local amusement park and everyone has their hands in the air celebrating and he's cross-armed midi boy. Or Nickelback's photograph where he yes. holds up the photograph mm-hmm. and it's a picture of the Ver- Bernie Sanders meme. Give me all you got. Everything's at Talk ABQ on all the social media. Send us your best Bernie memes. Bernie Sanders sitting at Girl Scout cookie table is fire. And after the first couple thousand Bernie memes, yes. people really started to jump on it. <laughs> and it started to go local. And you know I love to support local. Same. And there's all kinds of great Bernie memes, like at Sister Bar, going up mm-hmm. the stairs, or sitting at the top of the stairs like he's the bouncer, or in front of the doghouse waiting for his Frito pie or whatever. Like, I love how it just spread out to, to local stuff. Like Everybody's jumping on this. I okay. currently have right now that I created is me and the girlfriend at the Benihana with Bernie Sanders sitting next to us. That's excellent. Very yes. well done. Why did I do that? <laughs> Bernie Sanders sitting in the chair as the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Oh, yeah. That's so a fire good. one. Bernie Sanders sitting with the Breakfast Club kids in detention. So good. My, How about Bernie Sanders sitting on, like, Jerry Springer, and they're like, you're not the father. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> one of my favorite is that you know that iconic um, construction worker photo where they're yes. it's a black and white, and yes. there's like twelve dudes sitting on the beam, and then there's Bernie Sanders sitting on the end of it. It's so epic. The one that shut it down for me was that scene from Lord of the Rings when everyone's rising up to say that they'll carry that burden on the Fellowship, yeah. and it's just Bernie Sanders sitting there. <laughs> The, oh, man. the one from The Shining where the kid rides the bike around the corner and it's the twins, but it's two Bernie Sanders memes at the end of the hallway. <laughs> the ha- the fly on Mike Pence's hair when he debated Kamala Harris, but it's Bernie Sanders instead of the fly. <laughs> Guy Fieri driving around the corner yes. in his red Mustang. And Bernie's in the passenger seat. So good. The, the council is telling Anakin Skywalker that he does not get the title of Master Jedi, and it's Bernie Sanders sitting in the room. And you're like, he's in on everything. And he, one of my favorites was very niche uh, to Albuquerque and Latino culture. Mm-hmm. But all the cholos from La Onda, when they're all in jail at the same time, and Bernie's sure sitting the in the middle, thing. like as a leader. So good. I'm a big blood and blood out homer, by the way, if you didn't know that about me. When Bernie Sanders goes to Hogwarts and they put the sorting hat on top of him. <laughs> Did you somebody took the that super iconic scene from Ghost where it's Unchained Melody and it's Patrick Swayze and uh what's her name? Uh Demi Moore. Yep. And and instead of the clay that they're molding 
It's Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and I, I think this is the funniest people in the world, man, are not you and I, obviously. They're not entertainers on TV. They're not writers for The Tonight Show. It's these meme, fire meme generating warehouse employees sure. that just get like a clever idea and do it. Yeah, the guy the guy that works part time at Kinko's is way funnier than you. A hundred percent. He'll never have a stand up special, no. but he is the spiciest meme lord yeah. out there. What is can't what, did it? you say meme lord? Spiciest really... meme lord. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Because, no, I didn't know I wanted to see Bernie Sanders at one of the microphones on The Price is Right. But, yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> he's, he's so disgruntled, right? Because, like, first of all, in real life, Bernie Sanders like, this again. <laughs> like, Bernie Sanders is like, because he's missed his shot at this point, right? Like, he's not going to – it's over for Bernie. Like, he's only – and by the way – As much so, as I love him, he's like 130. Like Yeah. yeah. And – He's been a loser so many times, and you would think, like, okay, just give it. Bernie's never given up on America. No, no. You see, like, so there was an interview after the inauguration, like right after the memes started popping up. Yeah, and some reporter said, "I started to ask him about his outfit and ask him about his mittens, and he just said, two thousand dollars per person." <laughs> <laughs> He's has nothing to do with it, no. and then and then the very next day. Uh, he starts uh, a little GoFundMe, and he started selling sweaters, and sold out in an hour. And all the money, yeah. all the proceeds go to Meals on Wheels in Virginia, Vermont. Uh, yeah, from Vermont, Vermont. Sorry, yeah. We're going to break, but I just want you to picture sad Bernie Sanders in a teacup at Disneyland. Dave and Buster's presents ABQ Central Live from the Talk ABQ Studios, powered by New Mexico Pinion Coffee, ninety-five point nine FM, AM six ten, the Sports Animal. Tomorrow, Van, the Buccaneers will go to the icy tundra that is Lambeau. You trying to sell me corn? And if you're not watching on TV, you're listening to it at noon here on 610, the sports animal. 95.9 if you're so FM inclined. After that, the AFC championship game. All right, you ready for this, Van? Holla. <laughs> the Buccaneers have not been in the NFC Championship game in like 15 years or something, right? The Packers are there every single year. Uh, false. Tom Brady is there every single year. Also false. Who am I confusing them with? You're thinking of the AFC championship game. <laughs> the God, the Bills. Good for them. So, Tom Brady has been in every single AFC championship game for 20 straight years. Um, Just call it is, 30. I think 35 years is what I, I noted here. Longer than Hank Aaron's all-star streak. God, that's crazy, huh? Here's the real number. This okay. is the 14th time over the last two decades that Tom Brady has been in a championship game to make it to the Super Bowl. See, Fred, that's why he's not the GOAT. 
He's just a compiler. Yeah. Think about all those losses he's taken in the games, you know? Gosh, he is the GOAT. I'm kidding. Obviously kidding. Obviously tongue-in-cheek. And there's not, like, a ton where you need to, like, really paint the hype, right? Like, if you were a football fan, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers is the mecca. It's the matchup people have been waiting for in the playoffs for years and years and years, and it never happened in the Super Bowl. But here we are. When did Aaron Rodgers win a Super Bowl? Ten years ago? Eleven years ago? Mm Mm-hmm. When did Tom Brady do in that time? I don't know. One, one, like, 12 more. How many does he have now? All of them. He's got rings on two toes. And Aaron Rodgers is going to be the next quarterback in Tampa Bay. (laughs) Oh, poor Vital. You hurt Vital's feelings. He's making a sad face. So Tom Brady's going to beat Green Bay this week. And then Aaron Rodgers gets one more season to figure it out. Then Tom Brady retires. Jordan Love becomes the starter in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers goes down, puts on a number 12 jersey. And continues quarterbacking for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, well, thank you for my joke that I made at the beginning of the season this year. Nice callback. Okay. Because that's what I said once they drafted Jordan Love. It's like Tom Brady's going to have a two-year run. A little red and black, number 12. Then he's going to retire after he wins the Super Bowl. And then Aaron Rodgers is going to Tampa Bay. To be fair. To be fair, ah. I can't remember every joke you tell. Oh, no doubt. There's just okay. too many. I'm too prolific. And I don't watch any comedies. That way I don't steal anyone's material. So you're like the funniest person in my life. And that's not good for my life. Yeah. Is that what also, your therapist told you last week? She stopped taking my calls. <laughs> also not good is when the Packers played the Buccaneers way back in week six this season. The Buccaneers just blasted them, man. It was literally the Packers' worst loss of the season. That is correct. But they are a completely different team now. I was I was calling for it at that time. I said, put Jordan Love in. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is garbage. He's not even hot garbage. He's, he's room temp garbage. I'll take things your favorite athlete, Connor McGregor, says for 400, Alex. Does he call people garbage? Hey, your your favorite player, Antonio Brown's out. They're calling it a knee. No. But is it a knee? No, it's a lawsuit. Yep. Antonio Brown back in the news. Not for the good stuff. TMZ told me this morning he got hit with 100K for violating... Like a confidentiality agreement between he and his accuser and his still very much active, still going on, still will end very poorly for him, sexual assault case. He's a terrible dude. He don't stop. No, he don't. He don't stop. I hate that dude. He's Conor McGregor to me. Oh, he's worse than Conor McGregor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, not yeah. a lot. Not a lot worse. No, not a lot. It's a very low bar. 
You know how I love Terrell Owens? Sure. Because, like, Terrell Owens was all of that distraction. Terrell Owens was all that hype. Terrell Owens was everything. You know what else he was? Good dude. Yeah. Terrell Owens don't do nothing dumb. That was all flash. That was, was all, all flash. pomp and circumstance with a little sprinkle of uh, mental illness. Well, his mental illness was just, like, attention-seeking, though. Like, I have that. I totally get that. I can relate to that. Freddie Mitchell. Not a bad dude. Antonio Brown. He sucks. So this, this really has to shift the spread, right? You don't have all-world receiver Antonio Brown. Oh, wait. You have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Rob Gonkrowski, Cameron Brake, Ronald Jones II, Leonard Fournette. This doesn't impact the game at all. Usually this, usually this kind of loss to a team would push the meter. But it don't matter. I mean, they're stacked. No. They don't even need Antonio Brown. This game is full of legends. I think they just did. I think the Bucks just got on the Antonio Brown bandwagon because it was like his make a wish kind of thing. Like he wanted to play with Tom Brady one more time. It's like, okay, buddy, you're obviously going to go to prison sometime soon. We'll, we'll honor your make a wish. You get to play catch with Tom. His make-a-wish should be, Antonio Brown should be like, Tom Brady, when you score a one-yard rushing touchdown, I want you to do this dance. That's his make-a-wish. Vital, how many games in a row have the Packers won? Uh, seven or eight in a row. I think, it was, okay. I think it's eight, just because they lost to the Colts 31-28 in the last seconds of the game. Ever since then, they've been on an eight-game roll. And the Buccaneers are like right there, too. Won like, seven in a row. Seven in a row. So the Buccaneers are at seven or right at six or seven. I have no idea. Seven. Okay. Green Bay, eight. Both these teams are pretty good. Yeah, both these teams are very, very good. And this is the second and third best team in football behind the Chiefs. The question is, can the Packers put pressure on Tom Brady? Because when he gets pressure, he faces too much pressure. His, his uh, completion percentage goes down. Everything goes to pot when he gets on the attack. So Green Bay's – and then can the Buccaneers stop the vaunted Packers run game? Yeah, I mean, that's what – you beat me to it by like half a second. Yeah, this game is going to be won in the trenches. Tom Brady doesn't do well with pressure. Just look at the New York Giants Super Bowls. If you get a good pass rush on Brady, he can't do anything. What's that cliche? Pressure makes diamonds or whatever? Because that's what Tom Brady is. He's a freaking diamond. <laughs> a care. lot of diamonds on all them rings. He's 43 years old. He throw 43 touchdown passes. You're like, okay. Literally expected that. Literally expected that. He doesn't throw incomplete passes. He doesn't throw interceptions. He's... He cannot be touched. And if he gets touched, the NFL will, will throw a flag. <laughs> if, They'll say, if you're the, messing it up. If the defense is getting to Tom Brady too much, they'll just make up a new rule at halftime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we already used the tuck rule, so let's, let's figure it out. Hey, here's a – Got to tr- make sure that the footballs are right, the f- perfect oh, yeah. pound per square inch. 
Here's a trivia that you guys will both miss. Who's the backup quarterback in Tampa Bay? I don't know either. Uh, Gus Ferrat. That I don't <laughs> believe that is true. Doug Peterson. No. <laughs> not, oof. Not Jared Lorenzen. No. It's a dark callback. I really don't know. I'm not joking. I have no idea. I think it's a former Jacksonville Jaguar. Teddy Bridgewater? No, not Bartle. Bortles? I think it's Blake Bortles. Bortles? No, he's like a Raider. I don't know. I have to. Li- I will literally have to Google it. On it. All right, it's my boy Blaine Gabbert from the University yeah, of Missouri. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's what you meant to say. Not no Blake clue. Bortles. Had Blaine no Gabbert. Thought he was in Denver. If the Packers can hold on to the ball and run it, well, okay. Because the only way you're going to win Green Bay is if you keep Tom Brady off the field. Yeah, but here's the thing. On the other side of the ball, some guy named Aaron Rodgers, who this year had the highest rating of any person not named Aaron Rodgers. He had the second, literally, by a lot of statistical metrics, had the second best season for an NFL quarterback of all time this year, only to be bested by Aaron Rodgers. But he only did that, Van. So in two years, he can get a fat payday from income tax-free state of Florida (laughs) and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay's got the number one rushing defense. If the Packers can rush the ball against Tampa Bay, they're going to own this game. But Tampa Bay is very good on the defensive line. And even if they stop the run, lo and behold, you got Aaron Rodgers behind center. So it's a lose-lose for the Bucks. The Bucks are very good, but I got the Pack taking this one in a close one. You're making your prediction right now. So good. I'm going to save mine until we get back from the break. Dave and Buster's presents ABQ Central live from the Talk ABQ studio, powered by New Mexico Pinon Coffee, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. So to no one's surprise, proud fanboy Van Nunley selects or picks his Packers in the NFC Championship game. Well, duh. Not only am I a fanboy, I am a football fan. And an objective member of the media who has taken an oath to be honest with my listeners. Is there an oath? (laughs) Is there? Didn't we pinky swear over beers one time or something? Do the little thumb kiss at the end? (laughs) Yeah, totally. Jason Buckles joins us at 1030. We're going to have a lot of fun with that conversation. Make sure you're tuned in. So you think it's the Packers and they're going to win big and Tampa Bay doesn't have a shot at all and you can't even believe they're playing the game? Absolutely not. I got a little tidbit for you real quick. Okay. How many times do you think Aaron Rodgers has got to play in the NFC Championship at Lambeau Field total in his career? Zero. 
That is correct, sir. What does he win? The answer is zero. Even though it won't be a packed stadium full of cheeseheads, there will be, will be fans in attendance, and it will be cold. And we know how good Aaron Rodgers is in the cold, and I mm-hmm. don't see him failing in this situation. If he attempts a single pass to a player that's not Devontae Adams, that's a wasted play. Oh, you know the boy spreads it out. How many Super Bowls Brett Favre go to? Two? Two. One, one? Correct. Lost the other. Okay. Aaron Rodgers has been to one Super Bowl? Yes. This will not be the next one. Ooh. Tell us why, Fred. Tom freaking Brady. You just can't bet up against Brady, huh? I literally cannot look the greatest of all time in the face and tell him he's not a goat. I have for the last 22 seasons watched the story arc that is Tom Brady and his demise does not come at Lambeau Field this weekend. He will face off tomorrow against my AFC pick, or excuse me, the first week of February weekend. You're going to wear your black and red Uggs tomorrow? You're going to have some avocados and some almonds for snacks during the games? Yes. <laughs> I got Tampa Bay on the road. It would be different for me if there were fans in attendance. That there is my... will be, but not a full stadium. No, no, no. There's going to be like 6,000 people or something, right? It's like nothing. Are you, are you saying there's 9,000 or did you tell him no in German? Which one was it? Uh, both. Oh, okay. Nine. Okay. 9,000. It's like nothing to Tom Brady. That's Tom hey, Brady. I'll tell you what. That's Tom Brady's black book. That makes a difference. And I, but both teams, Mahomes said it and uh, Roger said it earlier this week, regardless of the, the six or seven or eight, 9,000, it made a difference and energized the team. So I think that does help what little there is in the stands. Yeah, I think it comes down to the battle in the trenches, who's ever lines win the battles, and just like any other playoff game where the teams are pretty evenly matched, it's turnovers and big plays. And I don't see Aaron Rodgers giving up any turnovers. I think that's the difference, the big playability of Rodgers, even though Tom's good at it. But you saw last week where they scored, their, tu- their four touchdowns were on four turnovers by New Orleans. I was about to say that, you short-sighted nerds. <laughs> Did you see what Tampa Bay did to New Orleans last week? And New Orleans hasn't been – they've been off all year. Oh, one wide receiver has been off. Breeze is too. He's been beat up all year. Did you see it well, earlier this week? His wife said the other day, well, he had a rib. Well, he had a foot. Well, he had a shoulder. Well, he had a neck injury. Yeah, sure. Dislocated shoulder, broken ribs, punctured lung, sprained ankle, sprained knee. And he still got to the playoffs. It's very impressive. Well, he's done. We're never going to see him again. No reason to ever talk about. Yeah. Him. Well, you're going to see gone. him in the. You're going to see him in the booth next year. Yeah, calling Taysom Hill uh, MVP games. That's how good <laughs> he's going to end up being. It's going to be exciting, no matter what. I'm confident in the Packers. Okay. Uh, I think they're going to win comfortably. You know, Brady's mm-hmm. going to mount a fourth quarter comeback, but. Correct. The Packers, the Packers are going to be ahead enough that Brady doesn't have enough time on the clock to mm-hmm. to lap them. But it's going to be must no. must see TV, no matter what. Zero percent chance of any of that happening. What I consider to be the two greatest quarterbacks of this generation, all time. 
going out. And the one doesn't lose, and that's Tom Brady. And he's not going to lose here. Yeah, and one of them doesn't have a chance very often because of mismanagement of his franchise. Vital, I'll just give you an opportunity. Who you got? Well, that's easy. The green and gold. Of course, Pat. Okay, there we go. Part owner. What do you? What do you? What do you? What's the matter with you? Part owner. Oh my god. That's right, baby. <laughs> of those nine thousand fans, I'm going to make a bold prediction. Forty five hundred of them are Tampa Bay fans. Oh, get out. They ain't selling a single ticket to a Tampa Bay fan. Tampa Bay travels. Um, so I called this at the beginning of the year, Van. Go back. Check the tape. I said the undefeated, undefeated Tampa Bay Buccaneers will make it to the Super Bowl. That is correct. You did pick. That was one half of your pick. But to show your brilliance, yes. you also picked the New England Patriots, to see them in the Super Bowl. They were also undefeated in my prediction. Which they were right there, you know, for being honest. They were right there on the cusp. All right, so I, you got the Packers, I got the Bucks. Who are they facing, Van? That's the question. So the Bills and Chiefs, which is, what did we say, Vital? 440 start tomorrow on the sports animal? Yeah, 440. Okay. These this quarterback matchup is more interesting than me cuz it's the it is like we joke, we like hyperbole. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game. Not and this year. You're not See, he's the second best quarterback in the game this I don't year know, by man. any statistical metric. I it's not about statistics. But the past 3 years, yes, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And this kid in Buffalo is going to be the best quarterback in the NFL. He's going to be the second best quarterback in the NFL. No one's going to be better than Patrick Mahomes. He is a special, rare talent. Correct. This should be the primetime game. This is the better game. They're both so very good that what I just said, you could call me a liar, and I would agree with you. It's going to be a phenomenal game as well. I just don't think the Bills can hang with the Chiefs. Maybe the Bills DC, maybe he has this brilliant scheme, but the Chiefs are just too good and they're too prolific and they got too many weapons. Patrick Mahomes cleared from concussion protocol. The Bills, when's the last time they've been in this game? Jim Kelly? 1995. That's got to be before then because 93. It's got to be 93. 93. There's just, in my opinion, so much draw with the, hey, look, we're back. The David versus Goliath-esque kind of thing, you know, where it's like, like, because the Chiefs are there every year. You know, the Chiefs are that good and have guys with that kind of experience and can do that thing. And here's Josh Allen showing up with his brand new best friend, Stefan Diggs, saying, we can do it. Look at us. Pick me. But they're not better than Kansas City, right? No. No, they're no, not. You know, I've, not. I've been a big Bills homer all year. i am got the biggest man crush on Josh Allen. I've been singing his praises all year. But, uh, no, they just can't do it. Chiefs are too good. I think the Bills are a great story. I think the Bills, 
they got the bones and their organization on their roster to be really good for a long time. But this Chiefs team is special, and I think they uh, win it easily. That's what impresses me about the Chiefs. So even when they they don't play well, have you noticed they won't? They're fourteen and two, obviously. But what impresses me is that they don't play well. They're still a level above everybody else. And again, they got the big play weapons on offense, and I think that's going to be the difference. If last week, if Josh Allen plays like he's been playing all year, he'll keep you in the game. If the Bills' defense can get a turnover or two and stifle this prolific offense, they can be in the game. But, man, I just see Chiefs domination here. And to me, Kansas City minus three, like that's a pretty low spread. I would think at least four and a half, five and a half. But, again, what do I know? I don't handicap in Vegas. The Bills don't have a, a running game. They got the passing game, and they throw on 80% of the time, and especially in the postseason. That's NFLreference.com uh, if you want to find out why. But uh, they don't run it much. They're like second to last in the league in running at 64 yards a game. So they're going to f- keep throwing it. They had 30 rushing yards last game on 15 attempts. They're averaging two yards. And if that's not the exact stat, I'm so very close that you don't even have to look it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I, I think the Singletary kid car- carried it six times. Like, that's it? Yeah, that's I mean, what you're going to do? They have a two-headed monster with uh, Singletary, who's more of a change-of-pace third-down guy. But their their big head crusher is rookie Zach Moss, and I believe he's out, or at least questionable. Yeah, and he, he was out have last a run week. game. Yeah, he, was out, have a run he was game. out last week, yeah. And you got to eat that clock to to keep Mahomes off the field. Well, do you though? Because I mean, if we go back to last week, Buffalo's defense against that Baltimore Ravens team and Lamar Jackson, and obviously they schemed perfectly. And what did what did they score? Three points last week. And Buff- don't yeah. act like Buffalo put points on the board. I don't even think they had twenty. It was seventeen three, wasn't it? Seventeen three. Yeah. Can they do that kind of thing to the Chiefs? Can they? Can they have that heat? Can they have? Short answer, no. Okay. <laughs> Long answer, I mean, they got to eat the clock on offense, and they need a turnover or two, and you just got to stop the big play. Well, that was last week. I but mean, if, you, if, you, if you stop the big play on the outside with Tyreek Hill, that means Kelsey's just going to be open over the middle. And, yeah, you got Cole Hardman on the other side, who's as he's probably faster than everyone in the NFL except for Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I just pulled up the numbers where you were giving me that point from last week with the Bills. Baltimore had 120 more yards than Buffalo did of offense. Buffalo outpassed them, outrushed them by 120 yards, which is the difference in total yardage. But here's the thing, Buffalo, or excuse me, Baltimore over two on fourth down. Like Baltimore ran 73 offensive plays, and Buffalo only gave up three points. Well, I mean, Buffalo can just stack eight men in the box against Lamar Jackson. If Lamar Jackson isn't going to hit people downfield and he's not passing accurately, you can just stack the box and stop the prolific uh, Ravens run game. You cannot do that against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. You're going to have to run different schemes. You're going to have to do zone. You're going to have to do man. You're going to have to mix up your blitzes to keep him on his toes and hope your scheme hits perfectly to stop the Chiefs. A little bit of zone blocking from Kansas City. Um, I want to take Buffalo because I love the story. I love the team as far as how it's built and what they do. They're not better than the Kansas City Chiefs. 
I got the boys in red. I, I will be rooting for the Bills. Like, like like you said, I think it's a great story. Yeah. I think Josh Allen is, is easy to root for. He's a good guy. But the Chiefs are just too good. Yeah, I like the Chiefs. Friend of the show, Jason Buckles, joins us after the break. Dave and Buster's presents ABQ Central live from the Talk ABQ Studios, powered by New Mexico Pinon Coffee, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the Sports Animal. Sports Animal. And welcome back, Albuquerque. You're listening to Dave and Buster's presents ABQ Central, live from the At Talk ABQ Studio, and we are powered by New Mexico Pinon. And on the line, we are honored to have mental health advocate, friend of the show, friend in real life, excellent dude, loving father, Cleveland sports fan, Jason Buckles, PhD, LPCC, instructor instructor at UNM and New Mexico Highlands University, consultant for the New Mexico Department of Health. Head of Development Disability Mental Illness Clinic at UNM Health Sciences. That's a lot of titles, my friend. That's a lot of alphabet soup. <laughs> Good morning, Jason. How you doing? It's a little. It's a little bit, and I have teenagers, so you know my own mental health is in question at points. The thing with Jason's email is you're really excited that Google like cuts off like his signature because his signature is so much that it's like another email. <laughs> It is. It's like a multiple personality thing going on. Well, we really appreciate you joining us this morning, Jason. Uh, we're going to talk about mental health in sports. Um, we really wanted to do a segment on this. And, you know, thank you. Big shout out to New Mexico Pinon. And they like to support what's going on in the local community and, and any kind of passion that, that me and Fred have, you know, to reach out and help people. And, you know, we had this idea in response to the Delonte West story and loyal listener out there. If you're not familiar with Delonte West and his struggles and his journey, I would highly recommend to reach out. But in the saga of Delonte West, we've recently had some good news where he finally got the substance and mental health treatment that he so deserved. And not only did he treat himself into some stable baseline mental health, but now he also works and volunteers at the very same facility that treated him. So there's a really big stigma with men and men in power and, you know, wealthy men and men in power. Like we're talking about professional athletes here. Jason, can you talk about the stigma in men where it's so hard to reach out and get the mental health help that you need? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, and I think the stigma does reach all all ends of our society, regardless of gender. But we do see kind of less men coming in, you know, prompting like self uh, uh, referring for treatment, um, reaching out. And uh, one of the the best things I've ever read on this is out of the military, actually, where you know you talk about strength and and pushing through and all of that, and their difficulties in getting uh, soldiers to seek help when it's needed. And they've kind of reframed it in certain parts of the VA and the military, and I, I think it makes sense for sports as well, reframing it from an illness to an injury. 
that uh, when we think of ourselves as injured, we, we want to get treatment, we want to get better, and there's no harm in saying, oh, you know, my arm hurts or my, my leg hurts, and, and uh, taking away some of the stigma by saying, you know, I've been injured and my, my soul hurts or my, uh, my mood or my just body um, in general, which uh, can all be parts of, of mental health, mental illness, and all of that. Uh, and it, it just the language we use around it and kind of the hushed tones that it's talked about uh, or seeing it as a weakness rather than, you know, I've been injured. We tell, I think we can all relate to that over the last year, uh, that if you haven't uh, experienced some anxiety or mood changes or substance use changes or freaking out now and then, then, you know, I'd like to talk to you because that would be weird. Uh, I, I think this gives us some opportunity to be like, you know, things get hard uh, and it's OK to to say, you know, I'm hurt and I, I need some help getting unhurt. Delonte West, who was at the very top, um, obviously had a breakdown. He he lost himself a little bit. And then you're talking about the stigma involved with addressing that and the stigma with maybe medication and treatment. Why do so many men specifically self-medicate why do so many men specifically instead of seeking professional help believe they can cure their own issue at their own demise often well you know i think it extends into physical stuff as well that um you know my arm doesn't hurt that bad i can keep pushing i can keep pushing and i i see it in my son who's a high level baseball player um you know not wanting to even admit that his arm hurts from throwing until it hurts so bad he can't throw, uh, that there's this fear you're going to lose things or that you will uh, alienate people or uh, that you're weird in some way, uh, when really it comes down to being human um, and the stress that goes along with that, the stress of performance, uh, of, of being on the spotlight. Um, and when we look at what contributes to folks uh, experiencing these things, stress is, is number one. Um, you know, like Biggie said, more money, more problems, right? And, and so money's not the cure-all. In fact, sometimes it's, uh, well, now I have to be the best. And I can't have any weakness uh, because then I might lose everything. And, and sometimes that desperation to not lose anything can cause you to lose everything. Um, and, and so, you know, we still seek comfort and, uh, and so people try to self-medicate through, uh, alcohol or substances or something like that, um, that then themselves can make it even more stressful because now here's another thing on the pile. Uh, and then that embarrassment, uh, that can occur of, of saying, you know, I, I've screwed up. And we don't want to diminish what people are going through. You know, obviously, mental health in America, mental health throughout the world is a problem. People keeping these things bottled up and not seeking help is a problem all over there. But we're we're looking at it through the lens of the athlete right now. And I think it's a it's a new day and age for mental health uh, in professional sports. The last few years, you've seen a lot of athletes come out and say they have mental health issues and it's okay. Like if I can do it, if I'm a big, strong, you know, wealthy guy who's, who's living out his dreams, if, if I can come out and say there's something wrong and if I can do it, then, then you can too. Like we have good examples from, you know, Michael Phelps, Andrew Luck, 
uh, DeMar DeRozan, and, and a big one, uh, the big story a couple of years ago was Kevin Love right. um, addressing his mental health. Jason, what, what are some signs that you can look for either as a loved one, a family member, or the individual yourself that you might have something going on or there might be some emerging mental illness that, hey, maybe I need some professional help? So it can come in all shapes and forms, um, but some of the stuff we look for uh, and, and try to monitor um, would be, you know, changes in biological patterns uh, like sleep, uh, eating, um, uh, enjoyment, that, uh, you know, a lack of enjoyment and things you used to enjoy, kind of the, the gray cloud that can come over things that used to be sunny. Um, sleeping much more or much less than would be typical for you or eating much more or much less, um, social withdrawal, uh, just not being there. We, we often think of it like a fog that's setting in where you, it has a, you have a hard time noticing when fog is coming on, but all of a sudden you can't see out of your, uh, you know, your windshield, uh, and, and it creeps in like that. Um, anger, explosivity uh, out of nowhere. Again, that idea, it's bottled up and bottled up, and eventually that's going to burst. And so when those things start to uh, interfere, um, become uh, really distressing or impairing to what the person wants to do in their life, um, those are, are kind of the key signs that we can look for. And, of course, the increase in, in substance use, um, n- not recreationally, but as an attempt to, to self-medicate to get rid of, of these feelings. Jason, I grew up in the Midwest. I have white Anglo-Saxon Protestant values in a Bible belt, and I was never told as a young man that it's okay to feel. So I don't know what to expect. I don't know who to reach out to. I don't know what the process will be if I feel that I do need to reach out to someone. I'm more afraid of helping myself than what I'm currently enduring. How do you convince me to seek the help that I so very much need but don't necessarily recognize? And then how do I do it? Mm -hmm. So you bring up a good point that um, one of the biggest things that that we know uh, works is community and support. Um, you, you know, and I always teach it as, uh, you know, Winnie the Pooh, that uh, all the characters in the Hundred Acre Wood all had their own little mental illness stuff going on, you know, Tigger with ADHD and Piglet with anxiety and uh, Pooh Bear with his, his substance abuse problems, yet they all <laughs> stayed together and supported each other. Um, and so how do you convince somebody? You know, I think being with somebody is really powerful, uh, in silence and in talking. Um, and there are anonymous ways to do this as well, where if it's a matter of not wanting to talk to somebody you know, there are resources out there to talk to somebody who doesn't know you um, but can can be there with you. Um, and I've got a couple of, of the crisis lines that I can give out uh, at the end of this uh, that may be a way to do that. Yeah, yeah, please do. Can you uh, hit the listeners with how they can reach out and where they can reach out? 
Sure. So let me just say first, if there's a, an absolute crisis that, that there's a risk of injury or harm to self or others, that, that 911 would be your first uh, resource. And there's a great crisis intervention team with the Albuquerque Police Department and many other uh, local police departments with specialized training for the uh, first responders um, uh, to, to recognize and uh, help somebody through that particular um, acute crisis. If it is not an acute crisis um, and it's just a matter of wanting to talk to somebody and get some advice or resources or just, um, you know, a, a kind ear, the New Mexico Crisis and Access Line uh, is open to anybody 24 hours a day. And that is at 1-855-NM-CRISIS, N-M-C-R-I. S-I-S. Uh, that would be 855-662-7474. Um, if it's more a matter of the those thoughts that can come in around harming yourself or um, not wanting to keep going, uh, and there's not an acute situation going on, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, uh, which has seen a massive uptick in, in its uh, use over the last year, again, available 24 hours a day, uh, to anybody um, is at 1-800-273-8255. Jason Buckles, Ph.D., LPCC, instructor at UNM and Highlands, also works at New Mexico Department of Health and UNM Health Sciences Clinic. Really appreciate uh, your advice and expertise today, and thanks for helping us reach out to the Albuquerque community and support everyone's mental health. And with that being said... Congratulations to your Cleveland Browns, buddy. I, you know, in terms of mental health, that was a major uptick for Cleveland to beat the Steelers. Oh, um, <laughs> and uh, what a heck of a game last week. Um, you know, one of the dumbest rules in football got under us. So, we, you know, we got the drive from back in the day, the fumble from back in the day, uh, you know, and now we have the, uh, the, the spearing at the uh, goal line with the stupid fumble rule. Jason Buckles, thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you so very much for helping us, and thank you so very much for how you help others. Hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate the time. Appreciate you, Jason. Thanks again. We're going to grab break, and when we get back, today's varsity, what do we say? The fat athletes. (laughs) The best athletes in the worst shape. There we go. Dave Busters presents ABQ Central Live from the Talk ABQ Studio, powered by New Mexico Pinion, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. What a good program today, Van. As we usually do, my friend. Rob Portnoy was so very nice. It's cool that we can reach out to like real life friends and claim it's for work. That's what, You're not that's the what best. Rob Portnoy is. <laughs> Jason Buckles um, kind of to give us his time. <sighs> Okay, Van, we were talking earlier about Jared Lorenzen, and we were talking about Jamarcus Russell. Correct. So today's varsity is best athletes in the worst shape, okay? Correct. All right. I I love it's so uniquely us that we do a a segment on mental health and try to reach out to people who need it. Then we immediately start fat shaming people. The yes, oh, hard yes, hundred <laughs> percent. 
All right, I'm going to go first. Are you ready? Hit me. The Undertaker. Of so course you went wrestling first. The, what, you wouldn't go wrestling first? <laughs> <laughs> he's giant. He, he's, he's, like, gi- he's gigantic. He's one of the few people that are taller than you. He's very much taller than me. So I got the Undertakers on my list. Um, and I'm not going to go WWE again, but I am going to mention The Big Show. I am going to mention Yokozuma. I am going to mention just some guys that are too dang big. Sure. Um, so anyway, so that's it. I just wanted to make sure I got The Undertaker out there. Well, I think I got to start with my first face on Rushmore here. Okay. The guy who we celebrated all day, the guy that Hank Aaron took over for the home run record, mm-hmm. the guy who used to drink beer and smoke cigarettes and smash hot dogs in the dugout during the game, You're Babe Ruth. Bambino? Yeah. The Sultan of Swat? Sultan of Swat, baby. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Babe Ruth is for certain on the varsity team of out of shape. If I tell you, you're going to like this one. I'm going to go with Sebastian Janikowski. Oh, excellent. That's strong work, friend. Yes. Had to do a deep dive on that one. Except I didn't because he was 280 pounds and kicked the crap out of it. <laughs> Obviously that is, a kicker. That is strong. That's going to be hard to top. He's on the varsity. So Sebastian Janikowski is on the varsity of two fat athletes. Kicker for the Oakland Raiders for about 20 years. Okay, if you are first round. if you are the same age as us, give or take, you know there's an absolute legend known for being a little portly, and that is one of my favorite all time pitchers, Bartolo Colon. Yes, also on my list. So I went double baseball to start: Babe Ruth and Bartolo Colon. Okay, and it's easy because baseball players can be any shape or size. Sure. Especially so like I, relief pitchers, like in, yes, and like especially. in the seventies and eighties, like almost every pitcher looked like David Wells. Mm-hmm. Like Bartolo, Bartolo Colon is like the last chubby pitcher in baseball. So, in an effort, can I go you retro know, on you guys, please? Tom, yes. Tom Dempsey, the former kicker for the New Orleans Saints, who broke the first broke the NFL record of 63-yard field goal in 1970. He was portly. Yes, he was gigantic. <laughs> he was a big his, boy. His hams are why they're called hawks. He had big old ham hawks. I'm going to get away from baseball for a second cuz I don't think you'll go to it a third time in a row. Okay. I'm going to go John Daly. Oh, you beat me. Did I? Oh that's man. A good one. Yeah, that's a good one. John Daly's a big old boy. A little too big, even. <laughs> like, dangerously big. Dangerously big. Who you got? And you thought I wasn't going to go to the well again okay. for baseball. Yep. Here's CC Sabathia. Oh, nope. That's a very good one, though. <laughs> Pablo Sandoval. Hey, I play real sports. I ain't trying to be the best at exercising. Oh, gosh. Legend Kenny Powers. Mm-hmm. Okay. He had the gut and the mullet. Okay. You did not specify if this is real life or not. Well, no. Obviously, I never specify in the varsity. So I'm going with number 55, my favorite, Kenny Powers. Okay. And uh, 
That's a good one. I'm, I'm going to shoot you real straight. That was a good one. I am going to come back, though. Are you ready? Hit me. With a real-life athlete and a real-life vegan, Prince Fielder. He got svelte. How can old boy be so big when he don't eat no meats? Well, he, he slimmed down when he went vegan. So there's like pre and post okay. vegan prince. He was, he was a big boy. So was his daddy. His daddy's a big boy. That would be a good duo. If we, can do yes. t- if we could do tandems on the list, it would be the Fielder boys. I'm not going to accept any NFL players because I believe they can have that size. They're supposed to. They're supposed to. Half of your lineup is supposed to have yeah. that kind of size. But I like, got a guy. My next yep. one, he's going to be on a lot of Rushmores for a lot of reasons towards the, the end of his life. A guy that admitted if he took better care of himself, he would have been a better player. Shaq. Shaq out of college was different than immediately in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, like middle career towards the end, Shaq just like gave up. Um, I did not put on the list Keith uh, Tractor Trailer uh, Taylor or Glenn Big Baby Davis because they had such sweet big boy nicknames. Yeah, that I'm not going to shame them. That's excellent. Vane, you did real good today. As you did, good sir. R.I.P. Hammer and Hank Aaron. R.I.P. Larry King. Any final words before we cut this one loose? And uh, honorable mention, Butterbean. That was my last one. That's a good one. Go Packers. Go Pack Go. Good job, everyone. GG. See you next week, Burke.